What's up, guys and gals? Just a quick shout out to Logan Donovan of Control Tower. If you're watching tonight's show or if you've watched tonight's show on Facebook at all, you'll notice that I am wearing a Fly With Pride shirt. Logan, Devo Logan Donovan brought out these new shirts. It's got her swooping across the shirt. It's got the, uh, uh, the rainbow flag going across. It says Fly With Pride. Support your friends. Support your family. Go to controltower.io and check out their shop. You can find these shirts in there. $25. They are super comfortable. The water-based ink on it means it's not a heavy ink, not a heavy print. It's something that's breathing. It's something that's super comfortable. Go to controltower.io, check out the Fly With Pride shirts, support Logan, support Control Tower, more important, support your friends and our skydiving family. Tonight's Gravity Lab Radio is brought to you by Velocity Sports Equipment, maker of the Infinity Rigs. Go to velocityrigs.com, check out their website, and see what they have to have. Absolutely my favorite rig on the market. Super, super comfortable. Uh, a lot of options as well. One of the most customizable rigs on the market. A good buddy of ours, Larry Hack, we may or may not bring him up tonight on the show, had an Iron Man rig made. If you look at his rig from the back, you feel like Iron Man is staring straight at your face. If you can imagine it, the folks at Velocity Sports Equipment can make it happen. If you mention Gravity Lab Radio in your order, in the special instructions on your order form with your favorite dealer, or go to VelocityRigs.com directly and mention Gravity Lab Radio, you will get a free mesh back pad upgrade. Talk to the man Blake himself at Velocity Rigs or your local dealer. Also tonight, I'd like to throw out a really big shout out to uh, LB Altimeters. LB Altimeters, Mr. P and I have been doing other projects for them. We've actually been doing their live feed, and in that process, we've actually been able to get the new computer we've been looking for. You guys might not notice a big difference, but the producer behind the desk will have a huge bit of help. We don't have that computer set up. It just showed up today, so tomorrow my day is involved setting up new monitors, new computers, and getting that system rolling. But thank you, LB Altimeters. They make the best altimeters on the market. Accurate, consistent, across the sky, in the plane, under freefall, under canopy, you know you love them. They've got audible altimeters. My favorite, the ProTrack 2, is an easy-to-read freefall computer, gives you all the data you need on one screen, and you can play it back so you can see your exact speeds at whatever altitude you are at. Micro USB port, plug it in your computer. You can get a digital logbook, super, super easy to keep up with. And I love my Aries 2. Metal body, glass screen, super rugged. At PIA, we were tossing these suckers around, dropping them on concrete floors just to prove that they have no, uh, that they're very rugged, very durable, and we have no issues. Mr. P and myself have been jumping them since the beginning. We love ours. They are rugged. They are bulletproof. Check them out. LBAltimeters.com. You can find them on Facebook. Tonight, we have our good buddy, Constantine Petra. I can't say his last name. Fuck you, Constantine. Now, we got Constantine on the show. You might know Constantine. He is one of the fellows who pushed a car out of the sky van or rode a car, actually, out of the back of a sky van. He has shot his parachute on fire and done a bunch of other silly stunts, along with recently helped organize the uh, Texas State Head-Up record and a World Head-Up sequential record. We'll talk to him tonight about some of that stuff and what else he's got going on in the future. Enjoy the show. I'm the target of a meat missile going 150 miles an hour plus. That got really <laughs> exciting all of a sudden. I'm doing canopy safety. Um, I drive like an Asian, so I don't know if it's the most appropriate thing ever. I'm killing it. Utah, give me two. You're listening to Gravity Lab Radio, hosted by DJ Marvin and produced by Nicholas Lott. Have we talked about skydiving the whole time? 
<laughs> feels weird. It feels Gentlemen. so weird. I know without the song. <laughs> yeah, it's so weird. So if I anyone's listening to the audio version of this, <clears throat> you, you just heard the intro song, right? But we didn't just hear the intro song. Oh no, they didn't. No, but if they're listening to the audio podcast oh, later, yes, someone did. who's going to listen to this tomorrow, right? yep. they're going to hear, hear the song before they hear us. We used to hear the song before we started talking, but I thought for Constantine, our lovely guest today, it seemed like when we would stop talking and play the song, we would like it was just like this moment of anxiety for the person sitting in that chair. They would get really nervous of like, oh shit, it's about to happen. Complete so build up. Yeah, mm-hmm. so we stopped doing the song. So now yeah. we're just having the show. It's weird for us because for me, it tur- it was really, it was that moment like, hey, here it comes. We're getting ready. We're about to be live and boom. So yeah, it little, set the tone. Game. Yeah. But for the guests, there was that like, uh, as soon as the, one of the last times we played it before the show started, as soon as the audio kicked in, Nick and I immediately pulled an ear cup off and just started talking this way. And I forget who the guest was. They were like, oh, maybe I'll do that as well. So they caught on, but it, it definitely set an awkward tone. Might have been Nick Reyes. Might have, man, fuck Nick Reyes. Yep, true. So uh, Constantine, I, I am going to totally fuck up your last name. So Constantine Petrajux. Petrajux. Petrajux, correct. I wow. Had to, I had to spell it this week. So, <laughs> Oh, dude, no, I can spell your last name like a boss. I've always been able to spell your last night name Petri C. Cuck, or Petri J. Cucks. Correct. Yeah. Don't know why I've always been able to spell your last name. Maybe it's because I was your skydiving instructor once upon a time and had to like look at that spelling and go, that's really weird. But it's always stuck out of my mind. Petra J. Cucks. So. Yeah, but not that you lost the S. Cuck. Is that not true? That is true. So it's no longer an S. So at that, I was confused this week. I was setting up the, the, the ad, the picture with you and your little rooster. Yeah. And <laughs> I wanted to type with the S all the time. And I noticed on Facebook there's no S. So I wasn't wrong. No, you're correct 100%. Okay. So there was an S at some point. There was. So um, if you want the quick history behind it. Dude, we got two hours. The long history is good. Okay. <laughs> so um, when the Soviet Union fell apart... Uh, Wherever you were residing at that time, they gave you citizenship or they gave you documents of that country. Uh, I was in Latvia when the Soviet Union fell apart. So the paperwork was changed and they changed all the names. And males in Latvia have an S at the end. That kind of adjusts to their gender. So all my legal documents had to be adjusted. I like how you hold your pinky out as you talk. <laughs> very classy. <laughs> very, very classy as you hold the penis to your face. So you actually never had an S. You got assigned an S. Yep. And then you're like, fuck that. I don't want the S. Yeah, no more S. Yeah, I don't want it. When did you drop the S? When you gained citizenship? Correct. As soon as I became a U.S. citizen, um, actually, the lady in the office made a joke about it. It's like, you want to get rid of it? I was like, absolutely. So boom, just removed it. And now here you are. Yeah. So for those folks who don't know, and you're in the Stone Ages, Constantine is originally from Russia. Correct. You moved here when you were how old? A, just under, yeah, I was just turning 18 when I came to the U.S. Okay, so when I met you, you were still fresh to the U.S. Correct, yeah. Because when did you start sky jumping? When you were how old? Nine, no, just in my 20s, early 20s. Were you really that old? Yeah, I was a 20-something. I thought you were about 18 when you started jumping. Because I've been doing it for about 12 years now, so... Well, 21, I guess I started just before... That's right, because I I couldn't buy beer. 
<laughs> That's right. <laughs> Man, those of you who know Constantine, uh, one of the things on this on on the Facebook page it says hashtag Constant Scream. It's one of your nicknames. Correct. You are a very energetic man. This is the pot calling the kettle black because I mean I'm the American version of hyper. You're the Russian version. Correct. Um, but man, if you would have met this young man when he was 21 years old, you talk about a ball full of energy. Yep. Just figure out um, seven monsters deep. Uh, that was my <laughs> <laughs> that was my average rate without the monsters. Oh, we're talking about drinks. I was yeah. like, what the fuck does <laughs> yeah, that I mean? I was wondering about that. Seven monsters deep. Is this like some serious like? psychological things we need to talk about. I was wondering if it was, had something to do with the cock you're holding in that picture. No. <laughs> <laughs> Excellent uh, picture selection, DJ. Uh, that was wonderful. Oh, we were talking about it ahead of time. If, if you're ever a guest on this show, no one understand. I go through your social media, your Facebook page, your Instagram, and I just find photos that I think would let people see who you are and who you have been. Um, and sometimes and, he uses a photo for blackmail. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, dude. And my gosh, man, it's it's so much fun to find these photos. And I found a picture of Constantine when you were how old? Uh, eight? Yeah, six. eight, seven, something like that. I, yeah, yeah. A very young Constantine with a cock. Now, when I say a cock, a brown rooster. Correct. <laughs> not a large phallic thing. <laughs> it is a brown rooster in his hands. So uh, I, I use that. A picture of you from when you were 21 as a student. Do you have any clue what dye flow that was on? Actually, I do because uh, in that picture is John Redding, which is a friend of mine that I went to school with. And we were doing tracking jumps. I was telling him about movement. Uh huh. So it was. Yeah, definitely. I, that's the day that I started tracking. I was really excited. So dye flow 9 and 10. 9 and 10, yeah. Is that why you're biting your lip? Because you're so excited? <laughs> so you actually you actually started STP you started skydiving as a younger fella correct and then you went back home to visit family for a while yep in the middle of your student program or was did you have I can't remember how that it was uh, I finished it right away okay and then and then I had to leave so pretty much got my license and I had to forget everything for a little bit Dude, when you left, it was a party. It was, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> My wife and I worked with you as a student, and man, your enthusiasm was absolutely contagious, number one. And number two, for me, it wasn't a huge issue. I deal with a lot of energy just in and of myself. My poor wife has to deal with my energy all the time. So at the drop zone, dealing with a new jumper is kind of a break. And then she got you. It's like, oh, I went from hell to hell. This yeah. is horrible. So when you went away, she's like, oh my God, there's only one crazy maniac on the DZ right now. <laughs> and, and it made her happy. But you've been skydiving, we've said, for about 12 years. Correct, yeah. But recently, and, and one of the first things I want to talk about is, was it this, this last weekend, a weekend and a half ago, a week and a half ago, you guys actually did a state head-up record attempt. Correct. Yeah. You were one of the organizers for that? Correct, yes. Yeah. So it was uh, Sarah Curtis, Steve Curtis, and uh, Matt Fry and myself. And then we had Nate Roth on video and uh, Nick Lott on video also. I contributed very little. His name uh, is Mr. P. <laughs> Mr. Well, actually, Mr. P did a lot. But thank I did, you, thank I did you for a lot for, humble. For, for the edit. But as far as for the event, yeah, I just, I just played around groups of people in the sky. It was a lot of fun. I felt very little pressure and did, kind of did whatever I wanted. I have, Nick will commonly show me videos like, hey, check out this video I'm working on. Um, and I know immediately, I, I try to forget this when, I, I don't try to forget, I try to ignore the fact that as soon as he shows me a video, he's watching me 
not the video to see how I react. So I try to react very neutrally, very like the way I would. But I, this, I don't always watch yeah. the person anymore. You know, it's funny. I actually really like when I when I, I think about it as like kidnapping people. I put them in front of my computer. <laughs> I put headphones on them, and then and then I just play whatever project I'm working on. And I really like when someone has headphones on because they can't hear their own breathing. So I get to hear people like like gasp and hold their breath at different parts. <laughs> and I think I like that almost as much as I like actually seeing someone's reaction. I'm actually super aware of when I do that when I'm watching your videos, but it's I think because I know that you're watching or listening to me. But when he was working on these videos, he's like, bro, I was like, hey, man, cool. You worked on the world record, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, dude, watch this video. I just carved around a formation the entire skydive and got a world record doing it. <laughs> and I got to land by the pond. <laughs> yeah, how silly. Yeah. So first of all, whose idea, whose plan was to set up this? It started off just as a Texas state record. Is that correct? Yeah, correct. So, so it started uh, off as Constantine's birthday party. Let's be, let's be real. Well, kind of, but uh, kind of, but not really, right? It, it was uh, one of the dates that I picked. Uh, so um, I did a quick 10-year analysis of the weather, which was, don't even ask me about that. That was a complete joke. You know, I had to look at three different uh, survey companies, that, and none of them matched up. So um, I realized that it either had to be in August, and the schedule wasn't going to work for August. And then June wasn't, was supposed to be a good month, but then I looked at all the down days in June, and that was, like, not a good idea. So May was okay, and I really wanted it in April, but April is just was a complete disaster. We get rained out all the time in April, and um, in what? In April. April. <laughs> I'm pretty sure you said April, but we're gonna let it slide. I'm positive. <laughs> Correction. April. <laughs> yep. You're gonna have, you're gonna hear a lot of hiccups. I mean, in my rainy part. April. It makes <laughs> sense. <laughs> April. I mean, it was rainy in April, and I was upset. Maybe you know, it was. April. Hashtag constant scream. It's a good word. (laughs) (laughs) You're gonna get about five or six. No, it's cool. Somebody's writing down. (laughs) And um, May was just a perfect month, and I luckily I combined it on my birthday, which in a way was amazing, but it was a lot of work. Never ever am I gonna plan an event on my birthday again because. It takes away from the focus of the event, and as an organizer, you're a custodian of the individuals, right? You're you're there for their needs, right? You're supposed to take the group's energy and focus, you know, and, and create the best positive environment for the group to succeed. And if you have your own like shindigs going on, on the side, it kind of affects your own performance in that route. So that was not the smartest idea, but it was amazingly fun. Like the fun was an eleven. Why didn't Gagas work? <laughs> so I, I really I just wanted to say that. So what I really want to point out right now is two years ago, even a year ago, even six months ago, if you asked me where Constantine's focus was, I may have said it was on himself. I may have said he was a self-serving, self-focused individual. Now, I would also say over the last four to five years, I've seen you grow and get better at, at recognizing what's out there. And recently, you and I had a conversation where you're like, man, I see, like, I've been doing these things for what I thought were good reasons, but now, man, I see really growing the sport, really helping out individuals. And what you just said, man, is just a reflection on how much you've really grown and uh, a lot of respect for, for that, dude. A lot of respect for what you said. You're, you're catering to the jumpers as an organizer. It's not about you. Correct, yeah, 100%. You jumping out of a car is about you. Yeah, those, like, <laughs> they have special events that I do that yeah. absolutely, they're all about me and you set up, individuals that will help you and do this all the small mundane tasks 
but for the bigger events, um, gratitude is my fuel. That would, that's what energizes me when I, when I see people succeed in a sport that I love that, uh, are, gives us the ability to escape the real world. Like skydiving for me is, uh, it's an amazing place. Like when I go to the drop zone, there's no other place in the world I want to be. I want to be at that drop zone. And if somebody gave me a million bucks, they said, you can be wherever you want to be. I'm like, nah, that's cool. I want to be at the drop zone. That's like, that's why it's, it's my special place. And if I can grow with my friends and people that I look up to and admire and just, we can all achieve our goals because we live our life one minute at a time and it becomes very personal and very passionable. And the crazy part is I go home sometimes and I watch these videos 20 times. That one minute, I would watch it 20 times. And in my head, I'm thinking, man, that was so awesome. Like my friends did this and it was amazing. Like I'm, I just can't stop watching it. I don't do it with any other activity. I don't. But with skydiving, it just I can watch that video 20 times, relive that experience, and it gets better every single time like that I watch that video or I see my friends do something cool. Uh, I'm not really envious of them a little bit. You know, I'm like, man, I wish I was there. I get that mo like fear of missing out. But skydiving, it just it completes me in, in a whole level that I've never experienced before. It's just the more that I get to jump, the more that I see a group or individual succeed, I just go home so happy. It's crazy, like that feeling. It's a feeling I don't think everybody gets to have in skydiving. And, and I know for me, it, it was really a barrier that I didn't understand for many years. And there was some point in some time, and I, I, I can't tell you when, and I can't tell you why, but that epiphany came to me. That, that Stephanie moment, epiphany moment, said, DJ, this is what, why you do it. This is how you do it. And that Nick actually got to share one of those moments with me recently. It's, it's so gratifying to help those friends. A lot of people think organizer, <clears throat> and the first thing they think about is, you're the guy who puts the jump together. You go in this lot, and you go in this lot. And for sure, that's a challenging job. But you organized the event, not just the jumps. You mentioned Matt Fry, Sarah Curtis, Steve Curtis. Correct, yeah. They helped organize the jumps. So um, the idea behind the event was the date and the event in Texas. Like I always wanted to give back to Spaceland. Spaceland has a special place in my heart. It really changed how I view the world and what I want to do and where I want to be in 20 years. And space, Spaceland has a special place you know, in my heart for that. And I thought nothing could be cooler than having these events at your home. And younger jumpers, they get to see these events. They get to see people like Matt Fry that comes down, you know, and, and the Curtises that they wouldn't have an opportunity in the first year or two to go to Arizona or Colorado. And they get to hang out and talk with them. And that motivates them. Hey, I'm going to get better. I'm going to put myself on a schedule to work in a tunnel. I'm going to do the 100 skydives, you know, to push myself to the next level. Like I've seen after the Texas record, uh, the people that weren't on it, um, they are driving 100 miles an hour right now to be in the next event. It's amazing. Like it just, it empowers me seeing them want. That want is so real. It's amazing. A lot of people think put an event together is easy. You just sit there, you advertise that you're going to do something and everybody just shows up. I mean, frankly, with the podcast, that's kind of half-ass how we do it, but we have the podcast to motivate and yeah. drive that. Not a sky, not a, a skydiving event. like any, Different story. It's hundreds of hours, hundreds of hours. To put the, the head-up record, um, Fry spent redrawing it to, redrawing the I mean, he spent at least 12 hours, you know. And his drawings in. were really great. Super clear. Yeah. Yeah, really. You can tell it was all really well thought out. So, um, and putting all the things together, it took a lot of time. And especially like the world record. He spent an insane, spearhand, he was spearheading the world record. I was assisting him with it. 
but uh, the amount of time he spent knowing the rules, making sure that everything is correct, communicating with the judges, um, and setting us up for success uh, was just enormous. And mo most people don't see that. And it's more of a, in this case, it's, it's more of a charity kind of, there's, there's, it's not for profit 100%, right? So if you look at the hourly versus the financial return, it's, it's, it costs him money in the end to do this. Like it, we do these things because we truly believe in the, in the end, in the goal. You know? That's why it was the people's record. Because we did it, all that belonged to the group. Like we wanted the group to experience a completion. As as a, as a skydive, when you complete it, it's it's phenomenal. Like you saw the energy, how quiet and how powerful it was. The last six or five seconds when they built that formation, only people that were on that record can truly understand that that feeling. For for the head up, I mean, there's other records that you can kind of get a similar. No, I think that that's true. Like on, you know, the jump where you're trying for a record or trying for you know whatever the formation is, and it's so close. And when it's close, it's still fun, yeah. but it's incomparably different when you actually get whatever you're after. Even if it's a sequential, you know, you get through all the points and you're there at the very end, and it's just like that. The energy that the vibe that comes from that is. Uh, it only happens when it works. Right? Exactly. It only happens when it works. And then you're in a high for three, three weeks. Like I still get text messages from some of the guys like, amazing, head up record, day 17. I'm, st <laughs> I'm still in the high. I can't wait for the world record. So just assuming that most people listening to this haven't, uh, haven't seen the video or don't know the story. I, I know the story, but uh, how, how did the weekend go? Um, we got weathered out the first day, right? So the anxiety of the group was building up. On day two... Uh, the jumps were going okay, but we had a couple individuals that needed a little bit of assistance, you know, and get their bearings correct. But about eighty percent of the group was. A couple fun. people got cut. Let's be real. Yeah, they did. <laughs> Nicole Black. I've been cut before. Yeah, <laughs> she got the axe. Sorry, Nicole. Not sorry. We'll talk to her. She'll actually be on the show soon, and she actually felt like she grew more from being cut than having made it through from the beginning. Correct. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's exactly the vibe I got from her. I think, yeah. Yeah. So some people struggled. You were saying. So um, we had to reorganize, uh, putting people's strengths first, right? So we we build a center out, and the top performers get closer to the base, and then the stragglers kind of get put in in between the top performers, and um, right afterwards, um, you have that the last stingers, right? Their, their, their job is the toughest because five jumps, six jumps in, they don't get to touch anything. And then all of a sudden, Bill's all, sorry, buddy, you got three seconds. And if you don't do it, we got to sit you down. So they have the most anxiety and the most stress, you know, and, and they're getting the least practice. Correct. Practice yeah. Jumps, yeah. So I'm proud of oh, the outer ring. I call them the outer ring. Um, or the, or, or our guys. I mean, I'm proud of them the most because they just got to tough it out. They can't give up, and they got to keep that energy high because as soon as you give up, you can tell your your flying doesn't matter who you are. Your flying is going to suffer. So, right about I think I don't, I don't remember the jump numbers exactly. So around seems like it was a eight eight attempts or something like yeah. that. Yeah, on the ninth one we got the forty freeway, right? And what was the previous record? Twenty four, if I'm not mistaken. Was that during a uh, Live Bigs event? No, I think it was uh, in Dallas during a uh, American Revolution boogie. Okay. Correct. Yeah. So that was that was organized by Ben Nelson. And yeah. So I was on that record too. Boop. Yeah, I was there. I was there that week. Yeah. I was sick. The last two years, I've had a sinus infection at that boogie. 
So this year I'm gonna be good. I'm gonna stay healthy. But I've done two in four two years of that boogie. I've done four skydives in two years. Oh wow! Yeah, not a good track record. Yeah. Got to step it up. So jump so, nine, you guys got the forty three way. Sorry, Nick. No, good. I was I was gonna ask uh, how did it compare? Um, how many attempts did it take you guys for the twenty four way to to this 40, 43 way? We were struggling on the on the twenty four way. We were struggling. It was yeah. a two plane shot though, it right? It was a two plane shot. Yeah, um, and then people had to leave. So people had to continuously leave. So the organizers had just such a huge challenge on their head and on their ha- hands with a 24-way because they had to work with individuals departing in time and we were trying to squeeze on loads and the, the anxiety and the stress level was going off and then one pod would behave, then the other pod would not behave. So while compared to this record, everybody behaved, everybody did their job correctly. Right, right from the right from the get go, you know, except the people that didn't build that needed a little talking to. So, do you remember how many attempts it took for the twenty four way? Two days worth, I think. Of two two full days. Yeah, two or three, uh, two or three days, I think, something like that. So t- ten, ten or more. Yeah, ten or more. And uh, how, how would you comp- Was it a similar group of people? Or, um, I mean, aside from there, were obviously more, but it seemed like there were a lot of locals. On yeah, there's a lot of, a lot of locals, and most of the people that were in a Texas on the previous Texas record, they were invited right away so um everybody that was on a previous record got an invite and because of their schedule or timing or they actually fell out of fell out from the sport they couldn't make it but i think 60 or 70 percent of the previous group were was on our record so the uh the story from the other weekend 45 way wasn't working a couple people got asked to sit down you guys build the 43 way then what happens so then we put um larry larry and nicole back on and we got one jump where it was a 44-way. And then Nicole crushed it on, on jump 13, I think, right? Mm-hmm. That's um, when Nicole just stuck it. I mean, she was there. I was looking over my shoulder, which I wasn't supposed to be at because you don't, you don't <laughs> no, cheat. Look, look across. Yeah, you don't I know you wouldn't do anything partner. other than that. Yeah. So um, for people that don't fly big ways, uh, look, at, look at a big way as a one-giant party, but your cross partner is your date. And if you don't look at your cross partner, you're cheating on your date pretty much. Mm-hmm. So don't do that. Yeah. But poor form. That was poor form. But, you know, I saw uh, before that last jump, before the 45 way built successfully, Steve Curtis was showing Nicole a few things. And when, when she got on, his reaction is my favorite part of that jump. Because he's a pretty, like, stoic, pretty calm guy for the most part. You know, you don't see him, like, outwardly having fun very often. He's, he, if you get to know him, the guy's amazing. Like well, I don't know him very well, and he scares me. So <laughs> I see him as a pretty stoic, just a pretty straightforward guy. hes uh, I don't see him being silly very much. But when Nicole got on, I saw him really, really enjoying that. Oh, he loved it. How does that feel as an organizer when you see someone who's struggling uh, perform? Amazing. Because our, we look at the weaknesses, and our goal is to adjust for those individuals. And if we're able to do that, that means we're successful. That means we know what we're doing. Um, and the event happens, like it happens, that energy happens. People get changed, you know, people that thought some of the jumpers uh, on that record, they came up to me and they told me, yeah, I know, I know. I just, I'm not going to be able to do this. I know this. And I'm like, I had to sit down with them and I had to like, relax. You got this. You had the training. You did the skydives with me. Um, I've seen you build before. This is nothing for you. Just don't forget to breathe. And look at your cross partner. You got this. Do you remember your first jump where you had that feeling? Oh, absolutely. I cut a, I cut a 42-way in half. 
No, actually, it was a 32-way and a half. Uh, tell me more. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I need to hear more of this. So uh, this is uh, a head-down camp in Arizona many, many years ago. My first head-down actually went with Antonio. Oh, I've seen footage from this. Yes, you have. Yeah, because he was on like a six-way before he was on a 40-way was the next thing, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome. So um, they added uh, half a plane. And uh, so Curtis came up to me and he's like, okay, you need to step up your game. I need you to be serious and you need to deliver. You just need to charge it. And I was like, if Curtis says charge it, I will charge it. I charged, <laughs> it, <laughs> I charged it a little too much. So I ended up pretty much bouncing off the first stinger. Like I cut, uh, I went through the pod. Like literally, I, was, I did not cork out. I was just breaking grips. I was like, sorry, sorry, sorry. I can't, I can't stop, you know? And, and then finally, the first stinger kind of just pushed me off and get out of my face. <laughs> kind of like part so, of the Red Sea. Did you get cut after this? Yes, I, I, <laughs> I was asked to sit down, and rightfully so. I t- truly deserved that. So, how did, how did that feel like when you're doing that debrief and you're watching this happen and hearing your performance talked about? Actually, like I didn't feel bad or good. I, oh, it sucks because I felt miserable that I wasted other people's training opportunity. That was the worst feeling. Was that oh man, there's people that are training for the world record and. Uh, and they want to get a world record invite, and I just took away somebody's chances. So um, I kind of had a moment with myself, and I thought, I'm not ready for this, so I really need to take a step back and increase my performance because I should never, ever, number one, put anybody in danger. I have three rules in life when it comes to skydiving. Um, safety number one, make sure that you achieve your goal, or whatever the purpose is, if it's the biggest record, or achieve the stunt that you're doing, or train somebody to their best ability, and then never, ever break rule number one. Because if you break rule number one um, and something happens, you'll never forget that. And that comes from oil and gas. Like, I've seen some people that broke safety rules, and it's still in the back of my head. Like, that, these things could have been avoided, but it changed the, li- the, indivi- the lives of those individuals that broke that rule. And I never, ever want to mix that in skydiving, because skydiving is so personal. That's like the bad part and the good part about skydiving because we take it, we love it so much that we're so passionate about it that we're able to volunteer and do all these things. But if something doesn't go our way, we get so angry. We get so angry about it too. That's only like, that's kind of my downfall that I need to sit back and be like, hey, this is all for, for fun. And this is all for like our group or people. Don't, don't take things too personal. And I've been really good the last couple of years. I've been able to kind of slow down and just focus on my goals. So how, how do you handle that when you uh, are in a situation that makes you feel upset? Is there, is there a tactic? Is there a thought process you go through that helps you stay cool? Oh, absolutely. So uh, first thing is I, I tell myself, don't say anything stupid. That's the first thing I said. Watch, I, I tell myself because there's always, always that um, I want to like fire back something. I want to say something. That's just, uh, just a side note. Are you thinking this in Russian or English? That's, that's the, the fun part is I sometimes... It's, it's in Russian. Other times it's in English. It depends how angry I am. <laughs> more angry, more Russian. Right? <laughs> more, more angry, more Russian. Yeah, more angry, more Russian. Right. That's right. It goes in four-wheel drive. <laughs> okay, so don't say anything stupid. Yeah. And take a breath. Like, relax. And then just remember that um, everybody has good intentions. The picture is not painted correctly. So your goal is to figure out what went wrong or why things are, are, are happening that way. And sometimes like, I have to completely disconnect and walk away from any situation and just take a quick breather and just completely walk away. Or other times, it's really easy that it's right there. 
in your face and you're like, okay, this happened and I'm silly for even allowing this to touch my emotions. One of the things you mentioned is something that I, I work really hard at and I actually think I'm decent at is don't take things personally. The Four Agreements is, is a book and one yeah. of them says don't take things personally. And, and I really appreciate friends like Nick who will tell me, DJ, you're being a dick or this is something to consider or think about with yourself. How I, you've, It's always stood out to me. If I call you out on something, you take it as a fact and you don't take it personally. How do you accomplish that? That's a compliment. So when people tell me that I'm doing something wrong, I'm so grateful for that because that means they care. That means they want to help me. That, for that, I'm, I'm instantly grateful. I'm like, wow, this individual. Now, of course, if it's an A-licensed student, uh, <laughs> uh, I will still listen with respect and I'll tell him thank you and I'm not going to shoot him down. I'll be like, good job. But, and I'll point him in the right direction. I'll be like, hey, maybe next time you should look for this. But if it's truly that I'm doing something wrong, which most of the time I am. Like most of the time, I'm, I'm, I make mistakes all the time. I'm like, I'm not going to hide it. I'm not, nowhere close to perfect. If perfect was uh, um, on the other side of the street, I'm in the wrong, I'm in the other town, okay? So <laughs> put it this way. Um, if people are adjusting or telling you that you're incorrect, I take it with a lot of respect and I'm very grateful because number one, that means they're spending their time and they're observing what you're doing. Number two, they want to help you get better. And number three, after they saw you do whatever you did, um, they're not like, oh, whatever. They actually want you to correct yourself. Now, if it's a safety thing, that's one thing, you know, that can impact them. But if it doesn't impact them in any way, shape, or form, and they still manage to share their opinion and what you did wrong, and maybe you'll improve. Like, I've improved so many things in my life because strangers came up to me and they said, hey, I think you're doing this incorrectly. And... One of the things that I do is if somebody does tell me that, that, I'm, that I'm failing or I'm not successful or I'm dangerous in, in any aspect, I actually write it down and I look at it. I have, an Excel, I have a Google Sheets document, actually, the best thing ever. Shameless plug for Google, right? But I don't work for Google, but that is the most amazing thing that you can do is have a Google Sheet document because you'll never lose it, number one. It's forever. And you can l write your own lessons learned in that Google document. My skydiving one has like hundreds in there. There's like a lot of stuff that when I do wrong... I I go back and I read those items because certain things, if you don't jump for a month or a couple of weeks and you're like, oh, I really got to watch out for that. Like last time I let my cutaway handle, my cutaway handle uh, dangle and I, I got lax with my checks as I was getting on an airplane. So now I'm going to try to change that and I'm going to incorporate it in my uh, next time I'm gearing up. I'm going to make additional, I want to pay additional effort. So uh, we talked uh, just about about your, your organizing of this record. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry I sidetracked you. No, no, we we'd sidetrack all you want. I'm just trying to connect um, what, what you're saying now about these uh, kind of recognizing the things that you do wrong or the, the areas that you, that you can, can learn and improve. Is there, like, what's the most common advice that you're giving to people on these, uh, on these head-up big ways? Like, what's the most common thing somebody needs to hear? Is it... Is it approach? Is it break off? Is it levels? Is it uh, mentality? Yeah, well, DJ's right. It's actually mentality. So it starts from how are you able to handle the information? Most, most beginners that get into big way, you can tell them 50 times, pay attention to your cross partner. And there's not a reason. We don't say that just because, hey, I want you to look at your cross partner. Because it makes the formation fly in a specific manner that allows it to build on successfully. 
So a lot of people have issues with levels and looking at their cross partner because if you're not looking at your cross partner and you're not on level, uh, the whole formation starts to become off level and it actually a turn and tension and, and they're not going to build correctly. That's the main thing. Approach, people will figure out approach relatively quickly. Uh, breakoffs, on average, a beginner is going to have one or two close calls on breakoffs where it's not bad, but it's a close call. Like he was going to cross a line and somebody's going to be close to opening. They're going to open close and be like, oh, I'm never going to do that again. So they're going to go back and they're actually going to focus on their heading control. But they're designed in a specific manner that we allow for mistakes. That's why. Like, like having do breakoff waves. What two else? or three, especially when they're learning, we the way that we position the the far end pods or the people that are breaking off in lines that even if they do make a critical mistake, if they do cross paths, they have enough time to separate from each other. So they don't have to. I mean, we don't tell them that. We tell them, hey, you gotta you gotta focus on your heading control. Focus on your heading control. But most of the time, it's, it's designed for you to have a little bit of error. Now, if you do something crazy like 180, no, that's not. I mean, there's no, there's no way that you can incorporate for that. That's not as common on, on the head up stuff, though, right? That's more of a, a head down break off mistake. Yeah, that's on a, on a head down, correct. Do so, you guys typically do break off groups with those tracking groups? Um, we do, but they have to be, become bigger. So, 70s, 90s, th- those into those sizes is where now you need to have a pod that's going to move a certain distance and then from there the pod starts to fan out and those breakoffs start how high it all depends where you're at but anywhere from seven five six five to seven five that's crazy to think about breaking off at a, a skydive at seven five right it's like man we should have so much time left. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> one of the things i, I want to hit on you're talking about break off is in sit flying there's been so many different ways to consider break off and for years if we were going to sit fly break off would be we're all on a sit you know group right now four way and we're all just going to turn around and go to our bellies at the same time and start tracking away and and to this day i commonly see newer sit flyers break off that way what would be a better, more proper way? Because typically when I think of big way stuff, I think big way, I think fundamentals, fundamentals, fundamentals. Big ways are the epitome of fundamentals of flying. Perfect. Level slot dock. I mean, all these little things you learn in AFF are going to, they matter most in a big way. What's the best way to break off on a sit jump? So I have two. I have a beginner, beginner version, and then I have for somebody that's an experienced skydiver. So for a beginner, beginner, let's say it's a four-way. Mm-hmm. Um, I tell them to have two breakoff altitudes, right? So I would say like five, five, and and or six and five. So they watch two individuals break off, do their turn, and make sure that they're going the right the right direction. So not only are they having horizontal separation, but also vertical separation, because a lot of people in the beginning they can't really transition correctly um, from their sit to their head and move away. So they have to do some sort of roll to their belly. And then move, and most of the, most of the most of the time when individuals do that type of transition, it affects them quite drastically as a thirty or forty degree um, directional change, and they're not really paying attention because they don't have the experience yet. They don't have that one hundred eighty degrees peripheral vision, so they have they're looking everything through a penny. And I've seen on one or two jumps where people just tracked right next to each other, and they thought that they were miles apart. And the only thing that kind of was okay was I said, "Hey, you're pulling at four you're pulling at four five. So, and they did. And I said, Hey, you pins out by four five. That's it. Like you can't break the, 
the pull altitudes because that would that that'll give them that additional separation. If those guys pulled at the same time, it would have been a bad day. So, <clears throat> sorry, and I want to talk about pin out in a little bit. Yeah. Don't let me forget that because that's a huge statement for all skydivers. Yeah. Um, uh, some people will belly out, then like you you know cork basically yeah. go from their sit to their belly. Um, some people will talk about back flying their way out. Some mm-hmm. people will talk. So w- what is the best way? What what would be my goal? If I want to get better at sit break off, what's my goal to accomplish? So um, how, how, what would my best break off look like in other words? Making a 180. If you, if you can't fly head down yet at this moment, right? So I would <laughs> recommend that you may, you start your break offs earlier mm-hmm. and you clear your airspace. So you can go to your back or you can make a 180. Make sure that there's nothing above you or in front of you. And then from there, you can start to move forward towards where you're planning to drive uh, for break off. So most individuals are learning to sit fly. I advise them right off the bat to go straight to their back okay. and, then, and then pick a heading and then rotate and then continue. So that down, down the road, they're actually going to, tra- once they learn how to fly head down, they'll be able to follow the same characteristics and transition to your head Stop, take a breather, make sure nothing is in your way, and then proceed and slowly change your angle of attack to where then you can safely roll over to your belly. Okay. I've uh, One of the favorite I've seen, Antonio, we mentioned his name earlier. I love watching Antonio break off. And he would sit, turn 180 in a sit, drive forward in a sit, and from there transition with a back loop. Yeah. And essentially what ends up being a 270 back loop. Mm-hmm. Um. Is that something you see often on a big way? Oh, uh, uh, well, for people who don't know who Antonio is, he's a rock star. The, <laughs> the, the, the guy is fucking god. He is amazing. Like how he flies, is just phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Most people don't even know how to do that. That move in themselves, they can't even picture that. So, I would avoid <laughs> for anybody who's learning or um, until you can comfortably do that. Well, actually, let's. I'll rephrase that. If you're if you're doing a, a, a head up jump that I'm that I'm organizing and we're working towards a goal and you start doing that stuff and you're not Antonio, you're going to get a talking for me. <laughs> so there's only maybe a handful of people that would be like, okay, that's acceptable, but it's until you do something stupid. So not the kind of break-off you're looking for. Yeah, that's not the kind of break-off I'm And looking. what kind of break-off were people doing on this, this head-up record? So everybody was uh, dropping to their head. Uh, they would pause for half a second, and then they would pretty much start to travel away from the group. The main thing that we're looking for is once you transition, you make that transition, we don't want you sinking out. Because if you sink out and you make a mistake, you, you can go underneath the group. That's the worst position that you can be in. Above or below, right? Bad places to be. Yeah, correct. And from there, another thing you said is people are going to have pull time. Pin out is 4,500 feet, 4,000, whatever altitude you talked about. So often a new jumper will tell me, I pulled a 3.5. And I'm like, uh, I know you meant to, but you really didn't. What I, I, I guess a couple few years ago, I heard you start actually saying it, and you're repeating. I've actually heard you say this as well. I, I say it all the time. I'm not that smart. I'm repeating things I've heard from smarter people than me. Correct, yeah. Yeah. Um, what do you mean pin out by 4,500 feet? So you initiate your deployment procedure, and you make sure that your pilot chute is out from your BOC and pulling your pin by the designated altitude, whatever altitude I told you to do it. Because most people, if you tell them that, are, that have not been a big ways and didn't get the, the speech, the altitude speech um, or the deployment speech, if you tell them, hey, 
pull by four five, they're gonna wave off. Yeah, they're gonna see four five on their altimeter, uh, and then they're gonna wave off. Then they're gonna maybe look around as they reach for that hacky. Correct, and then you actually deployment procedure starts about three eight. You lose about seven hundred feet on average. If, if you tell if you tell somebody, hey, I want you, I want you to pull by five. Most of the time, you'll see them actually throw the pilot shooter about four 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 three, about seven hundred feet. So in a big way, seven hundred feet is now you're in somebody else's airspace. You're in the group that's breaking off below you. That air belongs to them. You can't do that. It's super critical, and it's something that that I, what I wanted to bring up, or and you really hit it, hit it, is we commonly see this mistake with new jumpers and experienced jumpers think they're impervious to that. They're like, I know better now. But how often on these record uh, camps or these head, these head up and head down camps have you seen somebody with a lot of experience still be guilty of this process? Every single one, every single one. I've I, every single one. There's always somebody that either forgets or um, just. I don't know why, but sometimes, so all the organizers are actually very adamant and that's, that's how you can tell that it's a quality group or they they know what they're doing really well. When they organize, they really emphasize on pin out and they take an extra three minutes or two minutes and they kind of make sure that you set your audible a little higher and your pin comes out before the designated altitude. Now you mentioned it. It's super important on a big way, and, and part of that reason is there's deployment phases. Like you said, vertical separation. This group's pulling at 4 or 5, this group's pulling at 4, 3, 5, whatever, and now you're, you're in other people's airspaces. But just on a smaller jump on our three-way, man, you know, you and I did a, a three-way the other day. I wanted to ask Nick. I wanted to go up to Nick the other day like, hey, bro, you want to video a recurrency jump? And I didn't get to ask him that question. Because he knew I would say no to that question. <laughs> <laughs> the recurrency jump was a good buddy of ours, Mr. John Walker. Yeah. So that was super. Yeah, actually, you were there. I yeah, was yeah, there. Yeah, That's yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Did he was, make dad noises? Dude, actually, uh, during, during our re- uh, we were doing EP reviews. And at some point, I asked him a question <laughs> about a malfunction. He was like, oh, my dad noises don't count, bro. You're going to die this way. So <laughs> Reach up for the toggles. Uh. <laughs> yeah. He totally made dad noises during recurrency <laughs> training. Um but uh, it, it, even on that jump, it's I want more altitude to A, fly a canopy, B, I want more altitude to respond to emergencies, to malfunctions, and I want more altitude to make it back safely. And Nick, with, with your job, even with my job, I think we're blessed that A, we get to pull higher on a lot of our jumps. And because we're pulling higher, we, we don't have to always think about exactly how high we are. Uh, but when I fun jump, I'm a little bit more cognizant because I, uh, on AFF evaluation jumps, it's all I did for the last couple of weeks. I'm pulling at four grand minimum every jump. They pull me out. You've been there. You've actually been my yeah. instructor before. Uh, hang on to me way too long. On one. You remember that jump? <laughs> yeah, I do. <laughs> I actually quote you all the time. Uh, so just quick, quick, quick side note. Uh, AFF instructor training. AFF instructors hold on to their student through opening. We call it ride through. Nick, you've seen them ride through on me time and time I've again. I've been so happy to not have to be that person riding through into the basement. Yes. Yeah. So <laughs> oh my I God, t- it's fucking like the jump's already nerve wracking. That shit just puts you through the top after that. I tell people, don't worry about holding on to me too hard or too long. I jump a Spectre. I jump a Spectre for a very good reason. Because if you fuck up and you overload me, you overload my harness, you're not going to mess with me. I'm going to open straight. I'm going to open fine. But and, let me guess, Constantine did a Mr. Bill off your leg strap. Is that what happened? <laughs> Dude, I think he ripped my leg strap, leg strap in half. I, I've never... People have asked me, are you sure? 
And I'm like, I, A, I wouldn't tell you if I wasn't sure. And B, I had this one fellow hold on to me so hard that literally, it probably hurt your hand at some point. A little bit, yeah. It was discomfortable. I've never had anybody go directly below me and load me up almost completely sideways. By the way, Spectre Thug Life, it opened straight, clear on heading. I <laughs> yeah. used the right tool for the right job. Correct. <laughs> so I actually just used you recently. Almost every course somebody has a problem with riding through. Almost every course I'm like, hold on to me as long as you can. I promise you it'll be okay. Okay, so uh, you're still an inspiration to others. Buddy. Oh, thank you, thank you. That was definitely one of them like wow moments. I was like, man, after I, I still remember that jump like it was yesterday. I, <laughs> so I, do I. <laughs> <laughs> I did a 180. I'm like, man, I hope DJ's okay. I'm. <laughs> yeah, it didn't bother me at all. My only concern under canopy is like, boy, I hope that didn't hurt his arm. That's the second thing. I'm like, now I hope I can still pull. <laughs> yeah, because I'm like, I'm okay, but that poor son of a bitch down there, he might have some issues in a minute. <laughs> Now. Can you imagine having a shoulder dislocation in a moment like that? Oh, fine. And it was his pull arm that he actually <laughs> was holding on through. Oh, <laughs> oh, constant scream. Um, the adrenaline level was very high at that moment. <laughs> Put it that way. Yeah. Um, we 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 have to think about how high we pull on that jump with John. Were you thinking about? Were you cognizant of of waving and pulling so you pulled when you wanted to? I was watching him pull actually because I I heard you. Tell him pull no lower than four thousand feet, and I was watching my altimeter and looking at him. Watching my altimeter and looking at him. Watching my altimeter. So I I knew where I was and I was still really yeah. comfortable. But I just wanted to see how close to four he pulled. And he pulled. I think my altimeter said three point nine five when I saw his pilot. Yeah, he was super on point with it. I was. Uh, my job was I'm the recurrency instructor, and I was like, man, I, I am watching him. And uh, I essentially will, in coach courses and coach training, we talk about pull when the student's supposed to pull. So you have that metric, you have that standard, like I know when you pulled. Um, also, as an instructor, I have the ability to pull for you. So I'm like, oh, I'm going to make sure he pulls in case I got to do something. It's John Walker. I feel pretty good. He's got a bunch of skydives. Um, uh, he was he was spot on, which made me happy because I was going to pull when he pulled just, just to be comfortable. And uh, also do a little no contact crew with him. We did get a little bit of flyby and say hello to each other. That's awesome. Yeah, we, we were going totally the wrong way. Otherwise, we would have flown together a lot longer. What's a, what canopy was he flying? Uh, Sabre 2 One, 170. 170, that's what I thought. Because yeah, yeah. I saw him coming under one of our student canopies. And I was like, oh, I see a case of beer coming. Because <laughs> I saw a student canopy coming for the D license area. Yeah. And then he gets closer and it's John. And he just, oh, all right. Well, <laughs> he has a C license. Oh, is that true? Yeah. <gasps> oh, beer. Case of beer you, Johnny after boy. All. <laughs> Johnny boy, you beer, Johnny. So uh, when he landed, I was like, man, good thing is, is I'm probably the only person who knows you don't have a D license. He's like, yeah, I wasn't banking on that. Not why I landed there. But uh, I was also walking in going, I bet DJ's the only one who realizes this. So uh, Until now. Yep, until now. <laughs> Steph, when you see John <laughs> Walker, call him out on some beer, yo. <laughs> Uh, pin out. So anyways, back to the discipline uh, of big ways. You're talking about, uh, Nick was asking you what kind of advice, what kind of information you need to give them. And, and breakoffs was one of the things that got us sidetracked here. Yep. I don't so, think we even finished the story of the weekend. Do we want to come back to the, to the yes, weekend? Yes, please do. Okay. So 45 way. Yeah, successful. Woo! And your birthday happened in between those two <laughs> things, right? Oh, absolutely. How old are you now? 33. Happy 33rd birthday, my friend. Come by. They're cheered. I'm pretending. What do you say in Russian? Long distance cheers. Nazdarovia. Chink. Kampai. Kampai. <laughs> so uh, your birthday was the was Saturday, right? Saturday of the event. Is that right? Uh, May twenty fourth. So I think it was a Friday actually. 
Because Friday we didn't jump, and I feel like we jumped on your birthday. Saturday? Uh, I'm, I'm guessing. I'm just terrible with numbers sometimes. Anyway, I saw you get pied on your birthday. Is that your first time being pied? Yes. How was it? Um, it was um, interesting. Was it as fun to uh, receive as it has been to give? Uh, the, fir- <laughs> the first 30 seconds. Dude, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and they silly string the, the shit out of you. Yeah, I'm just lucky I didn't get it washed down with champagne or something. Something sticky yeah, afterwards. Well, there was a there was a bit of debate in the uh, Facebook group going about whether you were going to get pied with shaving cream or whipping cream. Shaving cream in hopes of not making you a milky, disgusting, stinky mess. Oh man! But, <laughs> but your wife was very insistent that you're going to want to eat the whipped cream. So that's why that. that Thank you, Melissa. <laughs> but uh, yeah, whipped cream, silly string, they got you real good. Oh, absolutely. Man, I'm a little bummed because once upon a time in life, a rule I knew, and, and first of all, if you say rule in skydiving, unless you're talking BSRs, basic safety requirements, rules in skydiving are almost bullshit because it's region to region. You know, in, in this area of the U.S., they call this maneuver this. In another area, they call it this. In this place, of beer rules are one thing. So, so they're definitely... Malleable, they they change place to place, but a rule I've always known is you can't pie until you've been pied, and I wish we would stand by that standard. You cannot pie somebody until you've been pied, and if you've pied somebody before you've been pied, there will be hell to pay. You know, like duct taping people to a pole, pieing the crap out of them, like just just getting to the yeah. most extreme. I versions. mean, they did pie the crap out of this guy. Yeah. Hey, so. <laughs> We've put mustard and sardines in people's Yeah, that pies. shit's fucked oh, up, dude. That's that disgusting. But you do that to somebody who would do that to like you, you just don't like I wouldn't do that to you because that's not in your that, that's not in your repertoire. You wouldn't no, do that man, to somebody. I'd hit else. a homie with some whipping cream. <laughs> I might even bring a cherry pie for dessert. <laughs> oh, dude, but if you're the kind of guy who would do that to somebody else, you're getting it done to you. That's only fair. Well, I, I stand kind of corrected here. So I did get pie on my hundredth, but I'm not really counting it because it's a bottom of a plastic cup because that's all the whipped cream they had because they all did whippets <laughs> <laughs> wouldn't come out <laughs> where where did that happen um that was in the drop zone is no longer existing i was at gold coast mississippi okay. for, so, for your hundredth you said yeah so i le- i was actually so bummed because um, i had to leave for this is the time when i worked for bp i had to leave on spaceline with 97 or 98 jumps hmm mm. And I came out two days to the drop zone, and they were both just complete garbage. So I didn't get a chance to jump, and then you got ripped off. I know. I was so wanted to do it at home, and I was like actually excited. My friend, I'm like, "Yeah, you're gonna break my hundredth jump." And so back to it. So forty three way, forty five way, you get pied, and then what happens? So Fry spent a lot of time. This is supposed to be kind of a different, uh, different event, but Fry spent a lot of time organizing a world record sequential the rules are they've he fry actually went to the fai and um changed um changed the rules so that they're more free fly friendly and in what way he adjusted the grips and the percentages and also um before for example you would have to have a whole line dock that would break that that would be considered as a as a break inside so he changed it to where it could be an individual or you can have a different point. So he made it more interesting, but also give us the opportunity to be more successful in those records. So is it like a percentage of people? 
Correct. Okay. You don't have to break a so just thinking of it as a basic flyer, you, chunks don't have to break. Individuals. Individuals. Have to break. Now that's okay. one one of the rules that Fry. I mean, Fry is. Um, when I say Fry, I mean Matthew Fry. He's phenomenal. He spent a lot of his time going, reading the rules, understanding them correctly, and then rewriting them and setting us up for success. So he set up pretty much the next generation. Uh, he's just waking up, woken up the the whole sequential free fly community. He's he's, go, he's going to build on that because. I thought I heard him say that the rules will change in July. Is that is that not right? I don't. I, I could have misunderstood what he said. I thought he said that there was a rule change coming up. I think so. I could be wrong, but uh, I, don't know if- I think it had to do with with records. But uh, maybe uh, maybe I didn't hear enough to. Uh, yeah, he's the he's the guru. He's the guy. He's the guru. But he he's actually had. Ha- I didn't know that he had a hand in changing the rules. That's pretty cool. Yeah, he actually. Yeah, um, and he just got an award from the NAA too recently so he received a, I think it was last month Melissa Melissa Nelson and uh, Matt Fry got got the award for the, the the world sequential record that they did at Skydive Chicago sweet so that was pretty pretty neat are they're gonna do more of that this year aren't they so they have one and actually I was asked to be an organizer f- with them so I'm gonna try to do some things at Spaceland and and then we're gonna go for the for the for the next record and sequential camp at Skydive Chicago. Sick. So we still didn't get didn't get to your sequential. Okay, so forty five <laughs> way Matthew Fry changed some rules. You guys got a, how many people for the sequential? Twenty. And uh, how many points did you guys plan for four. jump? No, jump number one was four points. Four points. All right. Talk me through it. Man, it was uh, pretty phenomenal. Like the on this jump. I thought for sure we're not going to get it on the first one. I thought that very same thing. What was the previous record? There wasn't one. The, correct. Oh, there wasn't? I don't think there was an upright sequential record. Correct, yeah. Oh, okay. And all of a sudden, as soon as the first point built, and I'm looking, okay, it's built, it's ready. And I see Dalton, sorry, Dalton, straggling there in the back, you know, taking his time, taking the scenic route. It was a long dive <laughs> in, his, in his defense. I, I was out after him. And if I had to be in his slot, I would have taken longer than he did. <laughs> no, actually, in all reality, he did phenomenal. He did really great. It was a long dive. That's the first video you showed me. Because you actually pointed out, look at how long this dive is. Yeah. The, the, the earlier divers weren't doing a super great job of, uh, of getting out right away. I think it's something that we all talk about during the dirt dive. And then when you're in the plane and you see the group before you leave, it's like no one starts pushing each other the way that, they're, that, the way, the way that we all say that we should. But uh, yeah, it was a long dive. He was, he, I think he got there in pretty good time though, Mr. Dalton. Yeah, and he did half of it head up too, just showing off. He's being a show off sometimes, you know. But he did a good job. Like I was really impressed. And then as soon as the first point built, it was I think it built around thirteen, or it was super. Could have been because we were getting seventeen five, right? Yeah, it built around thirteen, and I was like, well, this is going to happen. That's when I realized, like, man, this is real potential right here. And then all of a sudden, everybody was flying really well. They were responding to the keys. So the key would be the transition from one point to the other. And they were building correctly. They weren't just building sloppily. Like you typically on, on a sequential group. Yeah, you, first jump is kind of like, a, yeah, just, you think about it as like a throwaway jump a exactly, little bit, right? That's exactly yeah, We're all going to go get our visual. We're going to see what we're actually supposed to do. And then we'll do it right next time. I'm looking around and everybody's not only are they building the points correctly, but their levels are amazing. They're focusing on their cross partner. 
Um, the only person that really messed up, and I'm, I love you, Chad Ross, but we didn't, we didn't let you in. I mean, he tried to break, he tried to break in the wrong slot. I cut that part out of the edit. Nobody would have known. <laughs> <laughs> but Matthew was shaking his head aggressively. Yeah, we're all like, ah, you're not going to break in. I'm not letting yeah. go. <laughs> uh, so funny. That's, that's such a like awesome moment because that's the difference between a good skydiver and a great skydiver. That's why I, like, I respect Chad Ross so much and I really enjoy watching him fly because he continuously messes up, but his corrections are amazing like it's like he didn't mess up i i was equally impressed with uh matt fry's knowledge of no you're in the wrong slot because <laughs> when, when i'm on a big wave man like i can remember my slot i can remember who i'm docking on i can remember who my cross partner is yeah but there are a bunch of people that i have no idea who who they are let alone where they're <laughs> supposed to be you know and the, the matthew sees him come up in the wrong slot he's like and no! he's already paying attention of like no dude you're in the wrong spot <laughs> <laughs> I think that was a that's a pretty cool level of awareness to have. Cherry on top, uh, absolutely. So, back to being like a great skydiver, right? The great skydivers they recover so quickly and they don't let that affect them until the end of the skydive. Because if you like, if you look at when I was learning, um, if I would have a mess up, that's it. My energy was through the roof. My adrenaline was pumping. Now I couldn't get into my position or my my slot. And it was game over. That skydive was over. Now, I still mess up. I'm nowhere close to perfect. All the time. But I'm able to recover instantly. That's the difference. Like I've, I've trained myself to the level where I can keep my cool and focus on the task at hand. I, just, I, I come in there with a job that I have to do, and I just maintain it. And that's Chad Ross is taking it to the next level. He's that but squared. Where, he, he's a California guy still, a, right? Yeah, he's a California o guy. Oceanside area? Uh, yeah, Paris or Oceanside, I think. Yeah, I saw him. Uh, he was doing some uh, tunnel coaching last time I was out there in Oceanside. Uh, great guy. If yeah. you, if you Real get, good flyer. Super nice guy. If you get to um, hang out with Chad Ross, great individual. He just adds so much value to your life just being around. Just such a good dude. So after he docked in the right spot, builds, first points, going well, 13 grand. And then uh, were you guys rushed for time to get through the rest of the No, time? but the points start speeding up. The flyers actually start doing better. And I was like, this is really going to happen. And then the fourth point built, and we're like, wow, we still have time for a fifth point. We should have walked to fifth point. Mm -hmm. that was, go ahead. No, I was going to say I really enjoyed Cody just throwing, throwing the horns up there, <laughs> just still flying the shit out of it with his hand up in celebration. Cody. Uh, Cody Moffat, Canadian fellow. Okay. And one of the impressive things was watching the video. As I watch it, I know it's going to be a four-point skydive. And the first half of the skydive takes forever to build. And even that first or that second point was like, okay, that was a little bit, man, you guys are going to get two more. Holy shit, they got two more points. Like that, Boom. man. So much focus. And it was so cool to see the flyers. Like the, the better they got, the better they got. Right? And, and you mentioned, what was the dude's name you mentioned who just fucked up? Chad Ross. Chad Ross. Not Sorry, Chad. Not that they're in your bus. But <laughs> it's, it's not that you make a mistake. It's how you handle the mistake and how you learn from the mistake. And to see that group just fly to the next level through the process, and was like, man, just those third and fourth points just fucking ripped out, dude. It was so impressive. Absolutely. What was it like to sit there and organize with your mentors? Because the Curtises have really taken you under the wing, under their wing. Uh, they're phenomenal. Number one, they're just amazing people, and they're so full of knowledge. Like some of the stuff they were doing, they pretty much invented it. If you look back in the day, um, it's an honor. Number one, it's such an honor to be 
to be able to do something with, with individuals that I respect so much. Um, and it also adds a huge stress level because like, what if I mess up, you know, how, cause it, if I make mistakes, a lot of people, they can judge me or they can think not so well of me. It doesn't matter. Like I have zero, zero effect because I know that I'm just going to get better and tomorrow I'm going to succeed at it. And if not, I'm going to keep doing it until I succeed at it. Cause the only, the race is only between you and yourself. If you allow your emotions to get the better of you or you allow failure to win, then you lose. But if you don't give up, but in this aspect it's a little bit different because I really value Sarah's and Steve's opinion and I respect them a lot and I consider them family pretty much because they've done, like, Curtis back in the day, he's changed me as a skydiver from, from one day that I did uh, when I was jumping with him. This is during the female head down record in Arizona. Um, Antonio and I came out and we did a couple days. Uh, well, we did a day jumping with him. So on the first jump, he took a bunch of rope up. I'm like, we're going to skydive with rope? What are you doing? And four people? We're going to hold on and then do infinities and, and eagles with rope? Mine, like that was, I was already on cloud nine, so mind blown. Then he's like, hey, you want to go fly some uh, space balls? I'm like, space balls? What's a space ball? And he brings out a tennis ball full of lead, you know, and then, we're doing head up 160 miles an hour around the tennis ball. I was like, all right, now we're going to go grab brackets and we're going to kick that around the sky, you know? So <laughs> I was like, okay, this day just should not, I mean, I don't even know how this day is going to get any better. So then he goes like, hey, you want to go um, stalk the female uh, head down jump? I was like, yeah, let's absolutely do that. So we left after them and we watched this huge group build, you know, below us. And then we went on an angle jump, but it was still phenomenal. It's just nonstop. And I'm like, okay, this day's got to stop. It's not going to get any better. And he's like, all right, let's go do a pumpkin jump. So it's like a pumpkin. I was just, I thought that's it. Like mind blown. I couldn't even believe that all these things existed in skydiving. And I think I was on a high for half a year. I'm like, well, I really got to improve on my breakoffs. I really got to improve on my free flying. I got to get better on my approaches. I need to be more uh, aggressive with my legs and, you know, have free up my arms. So after that day, I've set up 30 goals in my life instantly. Like I wrote them on a piece of paper. I'm like, I have to get better here. I have to do this. I'm like, I don't even care financially how I'm going to get there. I'm like, I started just pumping tunnel time, you know, instantly like flying to um, Denver, paycheck to paycheck, pretty much like plane ticket, tunnel, plane ticket, tunnel. It was crazy. I want to point out real quick, uh, jump junks is commonly the name uh, Arizona will use for what you're talking about. Yeah. Jumping with objects, jumping with rope, with space balls, with bungee cords, with cars, with hot water heaters, um, with anything, with any foreign object. Number one, realize in Eloy it works really well because they're flying over a desert of nothing. So when these objects impact the earth, there is nothing below them. And number two, it's something that you want to have permission from your local drop zone to do. It's not something that we can do at every DZ. And if we do, we need to organize it clearly. So these aren't just things we do willy-nilly. Correct. Um, they, they talk about us having their own Area 51 out there, right? Is that, that is. So actually, it's not just um, just the drop zone. There's a, there's a whole laundry list of items that you need to do, but you need to make sure that the emergency services are notified, um, that the F, sometimes even the FAA has to be, um, depending on the object and what you're doing, you have to kind of get permission from the FAA. It's, it's not just, hey, we're going to throw something out. Just remember, if you're throwing... If you want to take anything out of an aircraft that you are not going to bring down with you, you're risking, number one, the drop zone. You're risking the pilot. You're risking your own well-being and also your family's well-being because if you get sued, 
your family is going to be drugged into this. So if you're going to do something, make sure that you don't break my rule number one, which should be your rule number one, which is safety first. Um, I never, ever do anything to jeopardize the well-being of a drop zone because that's your home. And if you do something illegal or uh, I've actually stopped somebody in, back in the day, they, they, took a sp they tried to take a space ball out without the permission of the drop zone, and I took that space ball from them. Like, I didn't cause a scene, but I, I, it's, it's in your job. It's in your duty. I believe it's your duty to, um, to protect the drop zone. You said duty. Duty. Um, that was a space land. Correct. Yeah, I actually remember you doing that and me going like, what the fuck, Constantine, in a good way. Yeah. Because early on, I think you realized you were very energetic and it was hard to read where you were at and what you were doing. And when you made that move, I was like, man, look at this kid. He does have a head on his shoulders. He's fucking squared away. Yeah. It was that first moment, that first glimpse of reality that made me think like, man, this guy knows limitations. Because the way you would behave on the ground, I wasn't sure if you knew limitations or not because you speak very excited. I do get excited. That's true. But your actions didn't always follow your words because the things – actually, they did. But I didn't realize the steps and measures you would take to follow those words because you would commonly talk about, I want to do this, I want to do that. And I'm like, you're scaring me, bro. You're scaring me. <laughs> and then over time, oh, you took time to do it. You learned how to do it. You followed the right steps. And one of the things you said is, is you got to notify the FAA to, to jump out of the plane or throw certain junk out of the plane. What's the weirdest thing you've ever taken out of the airplane besides Dalton Swan? <laughs> <laughs> um. Probably a watermelon with smoke grenades taped to it. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty weird, yeah. Spire silence. It's a little strange. How, how fast does a watermelon fly? Is it free fly speed? Oh, if it doesn't have a tail, so there's no drag. It's just, just pretty much zooms around everywhere. And then if you catch it, you get smoke on your rig, you know, nor afterburn. Oh, yeah. I saw that on you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your gear's covered with crap, dude. <laughs> yes. So a lot of people don't realize we put tails on falling objects, and a large part of it is stability. Correct. Otherwise, these objects just bounce around the sky. You're playing dodge objects said and done. Yeah. Uh, that tail is to stabilize partially speed, but more importantly, position. Correct. So that, that, that went all over the place. I really expected you to say the weirdest thing you've ever thrown out of an airplane is a car painted with <laughs> Trump's face on no, the yeah. side of it, dude. So, I, I didn't think that was weird. I thought it was kind of like fun. I was... You don't think it's weird. How many people, Nick, do you know who've jumped with a fucking car? <laughs> not very many. Uh, I'd say a handful, and they're not that bright. <laughs> <laughs> they might have had some sense knocked into them on the windshield, but, yeah. you know. <laughs> so you've done some really unique jumps with objects. Correct. Sure. And I, another one was really awesome. Um, actually, that, that goes like back to Matt Fry again. So Matt Fry did this one. We man, took man crush. Man crush. <laughs> <laughs> Does Melissa get jealous of Matt? No, not at all. Sometimes. <laughs> Sorry, Melissa. You've got a wonderful wife. No, man. she's uh, she's amazing. She's like the pinnacle of my existence most of the time, and she supports me all this. <laughs> I'm so grateful for having such a number That's one. I'm time. grateful that I have a wife that um, supports my skydiving and allows me to do dumb stuff uh, in the first place, and of course. She knows that I, I do my homework and I'm safety first, my, my set of rules. But most wives would not allow their husband, yeah, go, uh, go jump a car of an airplane. That's a great idea. Go uh, and especially spend a buttload of your own money to go do it too, you know? Not only did she give you permission, she joined you. Yeah, she's like, jumps. you're not doing it without me, okay? If you do it without me, <laughs> you're going to sleep somewhere outside, okay? <laughs> 
So you and Matt Fry jumping um, other stuff. Yeah. So um, he took two bowling balls and he tied them together with a rope. How did this go? It was pretty amazing. So uh, does he, it, how stable does it fall? It was actually very unique, and they were uh, Wade uh, Wade Bear and Matt Fry were just and there's I think around eight people that jumped with it. They were approaching it like Wade left and Matt Fry left holding the bowling balls, uh-huh. and then. As they were flying it, they slowly released it and it just flew. And I was like, wow, this is some medieval weapon. Is someone doing layouts under the... Oh, they, yeah. They were all over, zooming around Man, and pushing it. that sounds so fun. It was amazing. Is there a video? Of, like, I've seen video of almost yeah. everything you've done. I've not seen this. Yeah, there's video of it. Yeah, absolutely. Is it, Where is it at? Is it on your face space? No, it's on Matt Fry's... Um, I think he has it on his... If Matt, if you're listening, can you drop your link pretty quick? <laughs> can you drop a link of that video? Mr. G, Mr. G for Ginger. Yeah. Mr. G, if you can dig and start looking through. And I'm I want I want to sidetrack. It's on like Vimeo, YouTube, no, Facebook. It's definitely on his. Pornhub. <laughs> you did say two balls. So. Two, yeah. <laughs> Connected by rope. <laughs> Dude, uh, first of all, I recently found out people are throwing like illegal movies up on Pornhub because they don't come down right away where like they'll come down <laughs> in other places. So uh, DQ told me this. Is that where we're looking for someone illegally streaming the fights now too? Pornhub? <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, so a real quick <laughs> sidetrack. Yeah. Something I want to... Uh, uh, I Honey, I'm ask. watching the fights. <laughs> I don't even like these girls. <laughs> they sure are moaning a lot. <laughs> Ooh. Oh. Oh. Sorry, DJ. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. Trying to make. I've, I've, read, I've, I've kept DJ from talking. I think that's a pretty good accomplishment. <laughs> trying to keep your PG here. Come on. I, Nick has told me it, one of his favorite moments in the show always is to just make me lose myself in laughter, <laughs> which I always remember. It's one of my favorite moments. I laugh a lot during this show. Uh, Matt Fry, I met for the first time in February in Dallas. Mm-hmm. And. Uh, I'm not nearly as connected to the free fry. Free fry. Free fry. My mother's all would be. Dude, did I tell you the story that my mother does not understand the Asian jokes I make? Like, discipline? Yeah, that she doesn't <laughs> yeah. hear the difference between L and the R. Yeah, dude. It's really funny. Like, she called me out. She's like, Yeah, I hear you make fun of me. I'm like, Yeah, mom, like, discipline. She goes, I don't get it. Why is there a joke? <laughs> I'm like, Because it sounds funny. No, it doesn't. It's discipline, not discipline, mom. I don't hear the difference. So, um, I, I, I am a little disconnected from the free fly scene. Once upon a time, I, I really was able to keep track. But Matt Fry was very new to my radar when you introduced us at uh, PIA. Where is he from? Where did he come from? Where is this masked man? So uh, Matt Fry lives in Denver, Colorado. Okay. And um, we've been on, uh, on a VFS team together. Uh, what so team? Dynasty. Okay. And uh, took gold here in, in Houston. And we took uh, silver at Nationals. And also we were... Uh, we we placed bronze in MFS Open. Maybe sixteen is when you guys were dynasty. Where I did nationals. No, this was last last year. Eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. Okay. Purple drink. So um. Scissorp. So but, how long has Matt been jumping? Longer than I have. I think he's in going like year fourteen. This is all kind of gestures. Yeah, but, yeah. but I know that he's been on the last four world uh, head down records. So he's really experienced. Um, He's also super smart. He has a PhD in physics. Super humble, super chill yeah. guy. And just he's a pleasure to be around with. Just somebody that um, I want to grow up to be 
like Fry sometimes, you know, some, some of his. You could just stop it. I want to grow up. <laughs> <laughs> so I want you to do me a favor and help me out, please. Yeah. Let me know next time Matt Fry is going to be in town. Help him and I get together because I really want to have him on the show. Absolutely. I think he would be a great personality to have on here. Just my interactions with him has been really phenomenal. And I think he's got a lot to share. Of bathtub full of knowledge. <laughs> bathtub full of How can you say him when you think about being in a bathtub? I said bathtub full of knowledge. <laughs> all right. Follow you and him. <laughs> so you've jumped through with all these crazy objects. Yeah. Where did this dream of jumping with crazy objects start from? Good stuff. I saw good stuff. <laughs> Jennings, right? If I remember. Man. Yeah, and I've met him. Jennings also the videographer that filmed all these, and he's actually a phenomenal videographer also. Um, when I saw that, I saw that before I was a skydiver. I first of all want to point out so many of my friends have told me that Constantine was the first guy to jump out of an airplane with a car and bullshit. You never told me this. Yeah. Constantine actually, when he first told me about these stunts, immediately recognized where he got the ideas from. So anybody I'm calling out is not you, but he was inspired by these videos Joe Jennings put out. And if you've not seen good stuff, look it up, check it out. It's some badass skydiving from 20 years ago. If anybody wants them, I got two DVDs, too, that you guys can borrow. But if you borrow, you have to return them. Let's just put them up on Pornhub. <laughs> <laughs> They'll never come down. <laughs> can you still buy those DVDs? Yeah, I think he sells them. Does he? Yeah. Then I won't tell you they're available on torrents or anything. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, a buddy of mine gave me copies of, of good stuff, and I, I have it on my computer somewhere. So uh, w that Joe Jennings and good stuff inspired you. Yes. When did you know you wanted to do these things? Well, I have a laundry list of items that I want to do. I have a whole wish board in my closet of uh, skydiving, but... Wait a minute. You have a vision board? I do have a vision board. I have a skydiving <laughs> vision board. Well, you better not be the second person to be lying about this to me. Thank you, Jimmy. J Jimmy? So, Jimmy was giving a presentation at a, like a Connect the Dots Transitions event at Spaceland. Yeah. And I asked him, like, he's someone who I think is really good at setting and accomplishing goals. Yeah. So, I said, hey, do you have any, you know, anything that you do to accomplish these goals? Do you have any tactics or, or systems or whatever? And he's like, yeah, I have a vision board. He's like, I have a vision board for skydiving. I have one for fitness. And I made a joke because it's Jimmy. I'm like, you mean you got a bunch of, like, shredded dudes? paste it up on your wall and he's <laughs> and like yeah cats. totally and then he came on the show after that and he was like dude i'd lied to you i don't have a vision board i don't know why i said that and so i was really disappointed no i have and i actually have a digital version of it too um because i have dates and and, and schedules on it that i have to meet certain objectives by for it to be successful because i have a couple projects that are moving together at the same time mm -hmm. so if i don't stay on track i'm definitely going to drop the ball Smart goals, uh, if you've never heard it before, specific, measurable, achievable, or attainable, relevant, and tr timely trackable. Yeah. And your goals don't mean very much if you don't put a timetable to it. Goals without a timetable are just endless opportunities that will never really happen. Um, so you, you've put these goals in front of you. When did you start this vision board of crazy stunts? I think like three, four years before the car jump. And how long ago was a car jump? 17 maybe? Yes, it's going on two years, I think. Yeah. So um, I was like, I will get all the necessary experience and I will surround myself with the individuals. This video is from January 2018. So, yeah. Yeah. So. You found your car jump. Yeah. Is it going? 
It's up on, uh, if you're watching this on Facebook, it's going there now. And if you're not watching it on Facebook, then, uh, yeah, you can find it by just Googling skydive man, car. Who yeah. is that Literally brave man <laughs> who was hanging onto the back of the car? Who uh, is that? Tom <laughs> Baker. He got whipped man. around hard. <laughs> uh, man, that guy, whoo. So about three or four years before you decide to do this car jump, or before you do this car jump, you decide that this is one of the goals. Correct. So um, I've learned in oil and gas that you have to surround yourself with individuals that will help you succeed, are like-minded so you can operate with them, <laughs> help you succeed, and we'll do it so that you don't break any rules. Or Oh, it looks like it hurt. Ugh. That was, Man, uh, how was Dalton's neck after the that? The ejection. I mean, he did a car, another car right afterwards. So we dropped two. So a real, we'll get back to that in one yeah. second. So you've set yourself up around people who are like-minded, people who will help you set standards, who will help you maintain the safety. Correct. And what did you – so first of all, I, I just want to throw this out there because I, I don't know this for sure, but I'm positive. Those who are wondering, those who are asking, this car was stripped. It was cleaned out. There are no chemicals. There are no fluids. You're not polluting the environment with Correct. this vehicle. Correct. So um, if anybody was ever going to ask, so number one, um, there were no rules broken whatsoever. So, And there's a lot of regulations about hydrocarbon or chemical releases in the atmosphere or land pretty much. So everything that could have polluted or could have made the land hazardous afterwards was stripped. Except you. Yeah. Uh, the only thing that was, that was left afterwards where the car landed was the hole itself. We actually hold it off to the dump afterwards. Everything was picked up. How big was the hole? Like I've seen the crater somebody left after turning low. Uh, it wasn't that big. It was actually surprising. The car bounced actually. How high? I don't know, but it bounced because it was, it was about 40 or 50 feet away from the impact. Oh, shit. Yeah. So, it was, I mean, it was, wow. uh, there's a picture somewhere up on Facebook, but uh, it's maybe 36 inches tall. It land, I mean, the, the whole car was compressed. It, it flattened out like a motherfucker. And it had a reinforced uh, steel cage on the bottom. That's one of the things I noticed in the video is, is there's a very flat bottom to it. What was the purpose of that? Um, aerodynamics, pretty much. We calculated the center of gravity of the vehicle. And from there, uh, we added weight. So it would, it would fall. Hopefully that it would, it would fly <laughs> <laughs> wheels down, right? Yeah, yeah. And if you have... It flew relatively flat. That was pretty surprising. Yeah, that's, I mean, science. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean not surprising now that you tell us but everything was calculated nothing was really guessed well uh curtis and curtis did a lot of final touches he kind of um made a lot of adjustments with balancing it because i thought i was i thought i did it correctly but when he evaluated how the vehicle was balancing he's he made adjustments that made it even better how did he evaluate the vehicle balancing he found the center point and he actually balanced the vehicle how did he balance a vehicle? He set up plywood and, and he put a small piece of metal that allowed the vehicle to actually ah. maintain level. So he basically put it on a little scale, a little lever. Yeah. Okay. Interesting. I, man, you guys put a lot of fucking thought into it. Oh, it's ridiculous. Even so far as much as to protect Dalton's poor little head, wrapping the windshield frame with, it looks like basically, it looks like pool noodles wrapped with duct tape. Correct. Yeah. And, and foam on the inside. So actually, a um, little disclaimer here. Um, Curtis advised us to remove the windshield. He advised us to remove he the said, whole frame. He said exactly. That's a, that was the last time that I didn't listen to him. I'm, this was <laughs> the last le lessons learned. Uh, he said, you're going to hit your head on it 
or you're gonna hit your hands on it. It's just, it's a dumb idea, but it's gonna be fun. I'm like, okay. So just to be clear, real quickly, the windshield was completely removed. We're talking about the frame of the windshield for Correct. those who don't know. Yeah. So he wanted us to remove the frame, but I wanted to keep it. And he goes like, it's gonna be bad. And I was like, and that's the last time I didn't take his advice. Everything else after that, whatever he said, I'm like, yep, done. This is Did you take the windshield frame off the second car? Instantly. With a saw, like instantly. We, we removed it within, my parachute wasn't even packed yet, and the, and the frame came off. You guys are like, let's go fix this. So those who haven't seen the video, you guys are sitting in the car. There's four of you sitting in the car, and one person sitting on the hood looking back in at you guys. Yeah, that's Raymond Adams. He was shooting. Uh, Raymond, dude, what a good dude. I know. I love that guy. I should have realized because I've actually seen, I think, his signature on some of the photos. Yeah. Man, fucking just brilliant photographer, man. Absolutely. Um, There's four of you in the car. Tom Baker's pushing you guys out of the car. Steve Curtis and Tom Baker were pushing us out. How long did you guys stay in the vehicle? I, I don't remember from, but it was definitely, I think, 12 seconds. So about 1,000, 1,500 feet. A little bit. A couple thousand feet yeah, max. Yeah, a couple thousand feet max, yeah. And did you, what was the goal? To stay in the car as long as you could, or did you have a bailout altitude? We did. We had a bailout by eight. And that did not work. No, the car, <laughs> the car decides. It has a mind of its own. It's like, the I don't want you. Decides. The car decides. I don't want to ride you anymore. You're done. You know? <laughs> You're out of here. And it's like, you guys all go out all at once. Oh, I it mean, ejects you. It's violent. It's just like, see ya, serenara. And as you guys get ejected from the car, in the first ride, Dalton hits his head on the windshield to a point that like actually concerned me. I mean, it looked like he could have been knocked unconscious. Yeah. Fortunately, he wasn't. He wore a helmet, and I think that was a very smart part to uh, uh, very smart to wear a helmet. Period. On every skydive, did you get your new G four ordered? No, your new G four is back ordered, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, because you want a color you can't get, don't you, uh, motherfucker? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, oh my God! Uh, Nick actually went through that pain and struggle recently. Um, guys, All good. guys, I'm not guys, opposed to compromise. If you're listening to this right now, you can pre-order your new G4 through your local dealer. Hit up whoever your local dealer is: Sonic at the fucking pro shop, Vulcan at the gear store in Skydive Spaceland, wherever you happen to order from. You can now pre-order your G4. They do deliver at the end of July as a projected date, but the current color list is limited. Most of the colors that were available on the G3 are available on the G4, but a lot of your bright colors, the bright green, pink, electric blue, those bright colors are on back order. They'll be a while before they can get in. Um, so you got yours back ordered. And it's, by the way, anybody who's getting a G4, wow. Fucking A. Wow. Like, I flew that helmet in a tunnel. I got to play with it. Yeah, and I'm jealous you got to fly it. Uh, it is yeah. phenomenal. Like, the, the way it fits, it actually fits like a real motorcycle helmet, but without the motorcycle stress on your face. I was like, this is phenomenal. What, what color are you getting? I have to know. Green. Green. God, would you, did you really have to ask? <laughs> I thought maybe he's going to change it up. You changed it up. Yeah, that's true. So, man, I, I don't know if I'm supposed to be giving away secrets, but fuck it, man. Uh, something that I found really cool is attention to detail is super dope, right? Yeah. And one of the things is the 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 hinges, the, the, excuse me, the, the side plates on the G3. You can picture them. They've got that shape where you can grab them with your fingers and move them and open the visor. Have you noticed anything different about the side plates on the G4? I have a, noticed. A little bit. The shape of it. Did you notice? It's the, the, it's the cookie logo, isn't it? The shape is that cookie logo, that, that, that loop logo, that, that, that pointy rounded thing. They took it one step further, and I think a lot of people have already noticed the side plates, and oh my God, I'm probably going to get in trouble for this next one. I'm probably going to be given a little bit of shit for it, but I just, I'm over it, man. People ask me regularly, can we use our 
what's that 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 really snaggy chin mount called? Um, uh, the grill grill fab. Grill fab, the one that needs to be cut uh, cut away on it because it's such a snag hazard. Uh, the grill fab. Can I use my grill fab on the new G three? The answer G four. The answer is actually no, not the current design, because the vent holes are much much smaller. Did you notice anything about the vent holes on the G four? I noticed that you can open and close the vent. So, yeah, if you reach inside your visor, you can actually slide that vent open and close, which is a super huge blessing. It's really nice to have. So I'm not going to tell you guys the secret of it. I'm going to be a fucking total, complete cock tease, but I will tell you, if you you zoom in close (laughs) enough on the photos that are on, on Facebook from Cookie, you can actually look, and there's something about those little holes that you might be able to notice. So check it out. It's a little, uh cookie or easter egg on cookies helmets and it's just the attention to detail that jason cook and his crew bring to the table man they do just such a fucking phenomenal job man so dalton was yeah actually the no, you're thing, gonna have the, me on my phone looking up go for it dude no, 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 I, was gonna, I was gonna say one more thing and this is a, a prime example of an awesome company that listens to the skydivers because if you fly long enough in the tunnel or if you skydive long enough you realize that Certain, certain times that extra air that long exposure is going to dry out your nose mm-hmm. or is going to push um, so much air in your face that it's actually going to mess with your equilibrium it's going to affect your flying you're going to have either a runny nose that's going to drip backwards and it's going to affect your flying it's going to mess with your head i mean the the a that vent closes b the venting inside the helmet is phenomenal yeah it's amazing it, it's really great the visor now flushes completely inside so if you rub like the front of your g3 if you rub it from the top to the front you're going to hit the lip or the front of the visor if you do it with the g4 it's completely flush and recessed in the spring system is completely different and changed, so it still has that same kind of tension, but A, the tension can be lighter because of the new spring. It's stainless steel springs, and B, they don't wear out, so they don't break or nearly, we, we don't expect they will. Yeah. So it's going to be a lot more durable, and the chances of having a change of springs are a lot less likely. Um all of the snag resistant thing are to meet French standards, which have some of the strictest standards of skydiving quality. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that they have said is there are no available um, uh, camera mounts. And, and part of that is, is, is it's to meet those French standards, and, and it has to. Uh, did you talk with Jason Cook? At, a little bit, okay? a little bit. Man, he, he let me get a hold of that foam inner, dense foam, the, the impact-resistant foam. Did phenomenal. You? It's phenomenal. It's, it's amazing. Man, I'm not sure, dude, but I think if I took that little dense inside foam, I believe there's a little hack inside. I believe there's a little way I could actually modify that foam and pop out just a little piece of it that would still probably allow me to use my G3 roller mount on there. Uh, I, yeah, I agree with you, but I think that the reason that they're because you're going to lose your impact rating. Oh, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. And they, and they have to do it to maintain those French standards. But I believe it's possible, and, and once those G4s come out, once we have them in our hands, we'll see if we can make that a video available to you guys. We'll see if we can figure out a way to do it, and I'm positive that way it is there, um, to see if we, if we can help you guys figure it out. Um, do pre-order your G4s. Sorry, it turned into a little bit of yeah. a G4 th- uh, throwdown. I, I've honestly just been staring at pictures <laughs> of them with you guys talking about it, just getting oh my god, super. Uh, I'm a little jealous. I'm not a little jealous. I'm a lot jealous that you oh. got to fly it. I actually have one major concern about the the G4, and what it is is at Spaceland we actually will allow students who have enough experience to fly a full face helmet. Mm-hmm. 
One of the concerns jumpers have or instructors have about full face helmets is that we can't clearly see the student's face. And with modern helmets, the G3, the G4, the KISS, so many helmets out there, we can see the student's full face. So that is no longer a concern. One of the other concerns, though, is their ability to hear the radio. And a few people, Jason Hyder, Tommy Miller, myself, have gone up and done jumps on full face helmet, the G3, and open face helmets. And actually, the open-face helmets cut down much lower on your ear. So I can hear a radio better, a student radio better with my G3 on than I can with many of those open-face helmets that are on the market. That G4 is so fucking quiet, bro. Yeah. I just don't know what we're going to be able to do about G4s and new jumpers because the ability to not hear the radio will become a little bit real. Because, my God, it's so... uh, That helmet hugs your head, man. It's crazy how much uh, the silence is in the helmet. It's phenomenal. I mean, it's it's just fucking great, dude. I I love that helmet. So back to Constantine. No, no, no. Back to uh, Dalton. Dalton hits his head. You guys get ejected so violently out of this car. So um, the issue, I think, why Dalton hit his head. uh, We had to last second modify the design of the seats a little bit, right? We had to um, remove some of the items that gave the seat stability. So the back seat now could move forward a little bit. It wasn't pinned down completely. The back seat, not the back of the seat or the back seat? The front seat, but actually the back of the seat. Okay. So where Dalton was sitting. So now before, if there was pressure on the seat, it should have, it should have just maintained its uh, composure. But now, because we had to make sure that there was no snag uh, hazards and if, if somehow somebody tumbled forwards, um, we would remove all the hard objects in the seats or put additional foam. But that also affected that one little control unit in those cars. And now the seat was being able to move forward. And the people that were sitting back, they were actually holding onto Dalton. So Dalton didn't hit his head on it. He actually got pushed by the people in the back. We've learned that from the, from, on, the second, on the second car jump. That didn't happen at all the way we left the vehicle was completely different. So because the jumpers on the back were holding our rigs and we were rocking the car to make sure that it would fly. So for example, if the car was dipping forward, we would all rock back and it would bring the nose back. So you guys were flying the car. Yeah, we were, yeah, just controlling it. That just makes me think of, uh, dude, I was a huge fan of the movie Cool Runnings. You know, yes. when they're all training and they're yeah. in the bathtub and they're leaning through all the turns together? That's you guys in a car in the sky. Correct. That's oh cool. You should have been there during the training. It was hilarious. Forward, backward, forward, backward. <laughs> it was pretty funny. So I still don't understand. It's the it's like the articulation of the seat that let it happen? Yeah, so we removed the pieces that were holding the seat belt and the whole... Oh, And okay. all of a sudden, after we removed it, the seat became just... Burp, just started flop. We couldn't secure it. You should know what he means, flopping all around. Yeah, I got that problem. <laughs> no rigidity whatsoever. <laughs> not 20 years old anymore. Okay, so that didn't happen on the second one. It did not happen on the second one because uh, we were a little bit more conservative with our controls. And You, uh, you learn from the first yeah, one, right? You do. Yeah, the second well, one always goes smoother. <laughs> and at the same time, we didn't remove that back piece on the, on the seat. 
we just said, you know what? We're just going to tape it up even more, more spongy stuff. Well, I haven't seen the video of the second one, so I'm assuming that it's a less exciting ejection from the first. Yeah, it's it's kind of cool because the car actually goes upside down. We're flying the car upside down for a little bit. So once you're ejected, did you try and fly with the car at all? Or was it, is the deal just to get out of, out of town? Uh, so we said that Curtis is going to follow the vehicle. And for us, we didn't know, like, what if somebody was knocked out or we had a whole, we had a failure tree that was a mile long. So we decided the safest thing was just break away and go as far away as possible because in the event that somebody has a Cypress fire or um, something goes wrong, that they would have their own kind of airspace as much as possible. Just And we had two people that were safeties. Indiscret- so if something happened, we had one guy that was responsible for, we had like a buddy system, for example. Mm-hmm. Like I was responsible for Melissa, then somebody else would be responsible for Larry. So even though the guys, like Melissa didn't know that she had a buddy system, we talked about it that if something went wrong, you're following Melissa and you're pulling you're pulling her parachute, right? And if something happens with Larry, then you're following Larry. So everybody kind of had a buddy. Man, I uh, a fully believe in this buddy system. I think it's a really really good idea, but I don't think people realize how hard what you just described is. We had a good friend of ours, uh, Donna Jean, was just yes. on the show, and she actually tumbled out of a sky van. Um, we didn't talk about this with her visit. I don't, I don't be, think. Yeah, yeah. Uh, just with her family. And in that tumbling, some of her friends were chasing her down and catching her. And people were saying how hard it was to catch somebody they were trying to chase after. It, it's not nearly as easy as you think it is. And you've actually been trained to do it. Uh, um, what's that guy's name? Didn't you get your rating to jump with your, with your brother? Isn't that what I remember? Yeah, Dimitri, yeah. Yeah, that's right. What's his name? Royce actually was trained as an AFF instructor. Yeah. And Royce actually said it was that training that w- that allowed him to catch a body. So if you think you're going to be able to catch somebody who's tumbling around the sky and just playing, I mean, really, as a tumbling body, I'm not trying to dodge you, yeah. but it almost seems like I am. You know, I, you've been in that environment where I'm just tumbling across the sky, and it, it, it's almost like I'm moving out of your way on purpose. Dick. Well, I, I, was, I, was, <laughs> I was really fortunate. I actually, well, not fortunate in the event that that happened, but... I've actually pulled somebody out that was um, unconscious, but we were still docked. So this was um, overseas, and we did a head-down jump, and somebody kind of exaggerated on their abilities, and he scooped underneath and hit somebody with his knee straight to the chin and with an open <laughs> face. And I knew right away that as soon as the individual, like you could see as that hit happened, his eyes just rolled back. Oh. And if you ever if you ever been in a ring, you know right away. If the eyes roll back, lights out, game over. So as I saw that, all I did was kind of walked up to him, and I was just, and I dumped him out at ten thousand, like ten thousand feet, pretty much. If you guys are out there thinking I'm going to have a buddy system, I think it's super smart that you do, but also realize it's not that easy to catch your friend and pull him out. Very difficult, and it's personal too. That's like it becomes personal. That's the scary part. Yeah, it's uh, one of the things we teach as AFF instructors is. You chase after them until you have them. If you stop when you get to them, you don't have them. You continue to chase. You continue to pursue. You continue to drive until you embrace them, until you have them. It's difficult because in AFF instructor training, one of the things on the score sheet that says you can't tackle me when you're trying to catch me in a rollover. But the reality is is you have to all but tackle me. You have to fly to me till you've wrapped me up. So basically, you have to stop just shy of a tackle. So it is not as easy as it sounds. So the fact that you guys have this buddy system, A, is smart, but B, impressive, because I'm, I'm pretty sure your group, you paired each other up in a smart flying way. Yeah. Also, a lot of talented flyers in that car. 
and just the individuals. Like, uh, I'm just humbled that I have such an amazing group of individuals that are so successful in life and um, also successful as individuals and their and their experience level. Like every time I hang out with individuals in my group, I pick something up where I'm like, hey, I need to add this to my arsenal of tools. I don't think you're lucky for that, though. I don't think there's a coincidence. Luck would just mean you happen to fall into it. You said it earlier. Surround yourself with people you want to be like. Surround with people yourself who are going to make you successful. Yeah. So as much as you say you're lucky, no, I think you fucking designed that shit, bro. I think you put yourself around those people on purpose. So not yeah. luck. It is fucking by design. Uh, and they're amazing people too. So like I would, I can spend the remainder of the year every day with them and be happy. Like I would never complain. Larry Hack. We're yeah. talking about Larry Hack, Larry. Don Swan. Melissa, dude, your wife. I, I, I remember first meeting your wife when she was a young jumper, and she has just always been a phenomenal human being to be around. Yeah. I only question her taste in men. That's the only thing I've got to wonder uh, about. I, I guess that's where I come in. Luck has to do a thing there, right? <laughs> yeah, either that or she's blind and deaf, man. I'm not sure which. <laughs> so you've done this car stunt jump. You also have actually done a, another stunt that was inspired by previous things, and that's the uh, what, what, did, what did you call it? Parachute fire? Canopy burn. Canopy burn. Thank you. I knew there was words for it. Canopy yeah. burn. How does like a? I remember seeing the canopy perm, burn before, but what was it from? Where where did you first see it? Uh, Curtis. Curtis. Okay. Um, so a lot of people don't realize how this works. How do you pull off this stunt? How do you do this? So, um, number one, the canopy has to be, I'm not going to go in full detail because, uh, I don't want, I don't want, yes. pe- I don't want people doing <laughs> it. And I've already had to turn down multiple individuals that decided that they're going to do a canopy burn and they actually persuaded the DZO and then at, at their site that they were going to do that. And after talking to their experience level, I said, Hey, I'm sorry. Like you want to do this? You need to hire somebody else or, um, I'm just not the right person for you because I do believe you're putting yourself in a stressful environment and you have to have a necessary experience level to do this, right? But pretty much the can- the canopy has to be um, fully submerged in... Can we just say we make it more flammable? More flammable, That it's yes. not naturally flammable on its own? You have to make it more flammable, Perfect. right? You have to uh, design a, a completely different reefing system for it too. What do you mean by reefing system? Something that would slow down the opening too. Because otherwise... Now it's wet. It's a, it has completely different characteristics flying. A slider, for example, is a reefing system. Yes. Mm-hmm. And then uh, a cutaway system that... It's, a, it's a, on as a third parachute. Is that? Is it's that a right? treasury, correct. Because you, you're intentional in... You can't put it in your main can, uh, container. And if, you, if somebody... I've actually had somebody send me a picture of them pouring gasoline... <laughs> on a, on their container on their d bag and, and I'm like, shit. well, how do you keep it? And I'm wow. like, you've just destroyed your container. Congratulations! Holy shit! <laughs> God, it's so crazy how poorly thought out some people are. I, That's I amazing. Was shocked. I was I like, light my shit on fire. <laughs> like I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this. And I'm like, mm. and there's a lot of little little intricacies. Like like for example, I shot it with a flare gun first and the flare bounced right back in my face. <laughs> I actually, so that explains your face. Uh, SSK is a great company that's helped us all out at different oh, points. Amazing. But I, I edited a video for them and I got to see a lot of your canopy burn footage and I was so excited when I saw that one. 
<laughs> I have not seen this one. Oh, that's yeah. awesome! Like, you just see him shoot, nothing happens, and then I, God, I wish, I wish I could hear your thoughts in that moment because it's just like dunk, nothing, and then five seconds, and then he just chops the canopy. <laughs> real good. I want to real quick take a second to think about what you just said or let people think about. If you're silly enough to put gasoline on your deployment bag and pack it in your container, number one, you've quite possibly just ruined your gear. Number two, now your container is soaked with gas, so when you light your main yeah, on there's fire... there's no way it's going to travel down yeah. the line. Your whole <laughs> shit's on fire, bro. Yeah. I mean, like, you are now on fire fire so good luck with that stupidity ma'am yeah. uh, what is it darwinism darwinism <laughs> yeah and the funny part is that individual had a, a thousand plus skydives i'm not gonna mention who he well, is but <laughs> i just want to know one thing yeah. i don't need to know anything else do i know them no okay east coast okay you just don't think i know them. i might you probably do but they're east Co- they're an east yeah, yeah. coaster but no nobody local nobody i know off the top of your head yeah okay so you you so you've you've got to go through special uh, things. In other words, you've got to put some type of accelerant on the canopy. Correct. Yes. Number one, number two, you're wearing a second harness. No, actually, um, well, my rig is designed that it has chest rings, and uh, if you guys own an Infinity with chest rings or a rig with chest rings, you know exactly what I'm talking about. It is amazing. Like once, once you go for. Um, chest rings it's impossible for you to fly something without chest rings because the comfort level on your shoulders is phenomenal but it's, it's so funny because tj langren is the only reason infinity started offering chest rings because he insisted on having chest rings as a sponsored athlete yeah and eventually kelly farrington bowed in and said yes and then eventually people said well i want it too so he had to start offering it to a customer and he actually went away from chest rings <laughs> so really? yeah TJ yeah. went away from from Chester. Yeah, yeah. So it, it is. It's an, it's a personal preference. Yeah, it is absolutely. But I love it. Like so, on Infinity, I have my chest rings and my belly band, and my rig stays glued to me in every orientation. It's impossible. You can't even pull my rig; it's not going to come off. It, I didn't think about. So I don't know if you've heard the the, the debate with uh, people flying belly angles and having people with uh, chest rings having a, hard, a problem with the riser coming off over their shoulder. Yeah, I've heard about that. But so. I didn't I didn't think about a belly band and how that might uh, So then you over tie if you're going to do angles so you um kind of adjust your equipment to the jump that you're doing. Sure. So on an on a on a high speed angle, not an but a high speed angle dive, I will over tighten my chest rings so where it's chest strap uh, chest strap sorry, yeah, uh, where it's close <laughs> they're closer together. Mm-hmm. Uh and I would over tighten my belly band. So it's a little bit uncomfortable like my comfort level just goes from 100 to like a 99. Mm-hmm. But your safety level, but more my important. Sa- exactly. And the rig doesn't move. But if I'm flying head down or head up or anything else, then I leave it in that loose environment. Uh, chest rings allow you to not just death, death tighten your, your, your rig completely to your body. You can just lightly tighten it, and it's super comfortable, and it still doesn't move. It's amazing. Mm-hmm. That, that's the only thing that I... Uh don't have on my infinity that i've had on other rigs is, yeah. is chest rings oh, you sh- and you should have totally got dude that. it's super comfortable i know but even with chest rings it's even more i don't, I don't know why, why i would use them because i'm not clipping a third rig to myself well, you there can totally clip yeah. a third rig. <laughs> i could <laughs> dude, heath richardson actually tried heath has been jumping infinities forever yeah he actually tried his new infinity with chest rings when he got back into the sport mm-hmm. and almost immediately had kelly rebuild a new rig without chest rings Really? Yeah. So I mean, I'm, I definitely don't think you're wrong, 
But I also think some people like blonde, some people like brunette, yeah, some people like soulless ass gingers. And, and there's got to be hey. how you know, like body shape has to play a part in, in this also, right? Yeah. yeah. Not everyone is, has has uh, such beautiful broad shoulders as you. <laughs> steroids. <laughs> <laughs> Lots it's not, of steroids. It's not steroids. That's Russia, baby. Look at that shit. Which they're all guilty of steroids. That's true. That is the, the most doping country on the planet. So maybe I don't know. Man, I, I don't know if you heard Russia was super guilty of doping. Like the whole Russian system got busted for yeah, doping. Yeah, they were banned from the Olympics, right? Yeah. Uh, I looked the other way. I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> <laughs> so anyways, you use chest nothing. rings and you're hooking up your, your, your terse, your third main to your to, chest rings? To the chest rings, correct. If you don't have chest rings, then you have to have a harness. Okay. Because you can't put it anywhere else on the har- uh, on the harness. Because if you do, it can affect your reserve tray, or it can actually pull out on your reserve tray. Or if you hook it up to your hips, it can actually damage the harness because it's not designed to have that much of a, of an opening shock on it. So I've seen people hook up tertiary systems to their um, like uh, hip rings um, through that are running and supporting up to their three ring system, right? So. And that can actually affect your harness. And I was told not to do that by somebody who built the container. So I was like, I'm going to listen to the manufacturer. Number one, always listen to your manufacturer's recommendation. Never go against it. There's a reason why they recommend it for your safety. So your chest rings are an extension of your harness. And you can pretty much just attach um, another set of three rings right there. And, and it's your treasury setup. Really simple. Really awesome. So, so you've now hooked up your main in a different way? Yeah. You're direct bagging out the plane? Correct, yeah. And once again, this is not just something you should do at home and because you need an airplane. Uh, because direct bagging somebody out of an airplane is actually an extremely dangerous stuff. Very, very dangerous. It, th- th- there is a very right way to do it and a thousand ways to fuck it up and not only hurt the person who's jumping, but take the entire fucking plane load down with it. Correct. I had a close call. I had a super, super, super close. Uh, and I'll share it if you guys want to. But, Please. Uh, so... Um, we had a, a game plan on the ground where, and again, this is, I think, the second time that I went against Curtis's wishes. And Wait a minute. You said it's the one and only time and you'd never do it again. <laughs> no, the last. That was the last. last. Oh, the last. Was, so Curtis told me, do not have anybody on the camera step of the airplane if you're getting direct bagged. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's like, it is the stupidest thing you can do. He's going to kill you. Uh, even if you have the, the order of operations where you leave, then he follows you. He wants to get the shot. This was a very experienced guy ever, and uh, he was not supposed to leave before me or with me. And what happened? He left with me as I was being direct, Ooh. direct bag and covered uh, in gas, uh, in, I mean, in accelerant. Accelerant. <laughs> Gasoline is what you just said, though. But it's not, it's not gasoline, so that's not correct, but accelerant, yeah. Uh, to the, I was so nervous that I actually released one riser. When I saw his foot come through, I had to. Re- I released one riser um, on that skydive because I thought he definitely is going to get trapped in the canopy. So as that's happening, I pulled. I pu- right away. I pulled the cable and it releases one riser at where he was. So to clear that individual, that could have been a really bad day for both of us. And then, so. Make sure that if you're going to direct bag anything from the airplane, make sure you have somebody who's experienced, who understands how, how they do it. And that, that near miss was with somebody that was super experienced, was on the airplane. Like, I'd never go and try to discover something in skydiving. Everything's already been done probably 20 times or 1,000 times or 10,000 times in skydiving. If you're going to have to reinvent something in skydiving, you're already taking a risk. 
would you agree with me that everything was already pretty much done in skydiving? Well, most of the things like have already been. Man, I I really once upon a time think I would believe that and say that and say yes, but you know, the imagination things are starting to change. Yeah. But I will say and I will agree that some version of it's been done, some understanding, some information is out there that will affect whatever stunt you're doing. Yeah. So because I would have never thought to say somebody landed a skydive without a parachute. Yeah. But was, we recently saw that stunt. That was amazing. Too. I would have never thought you would have told me somebody would have flown a wingsuit into an airplane. Somebody just recently did that yeah. stunt. So I absolutely uh, thought I'd say yes, but I would say something like it's been done that you have an expert out there to help you. Absolutely. So just, just most of the time ask around and people have the experience or they know somebody who has the experience, don't try to um, reinvent something yourself or even worse, hide it from the drop zone or experienced people that you're doing this. Because in the, in, the, in the end, most likely, it's going to affect you in a negative way. There's a lot of guys out there, uh, and I'll include myself in this book, who have a lot of experience and, and we don't always have the experience that you're about to have, but we have enough knowledge that we can at least have the foresight or the insight to be able to help you with it. And when we tell you no or it can't be done, it's not because we want to hold you back. I want to see you do this crazy shit, man. When you tell me, and I'll give a great example of uh, uh, Jed, Jed, uh, what's his name, Kowser. Jed Kowser, a lot of people thought he was a crazy maniac, and quite frankly, he is, but he was a lot more calculated than most people wanted to know. And he would regularly ask me, DJ, I want to try this stupid base stunt. Do you think it's possible? And him and I would sit down and figure out how to know for sure if he's doing a safe maneuver or not. And, and I didn't tell him no at times because I didn't want him to see him succeed. I would actually help him figure out how to get it done safely. We're not telling you no to hold you back. We're telling you no to make sure you can find a way to do it right, dude. Because I want to see you fucking push another car out of an airplane. I want to talk to you about lighting my own parachute on fire. Nick, I don't know how down you are with this idea. I don't know. I've got a 68 Chaos sitting in the bottom of my closet with a decent I, line. It's got one more jump on that line set at least. Let's go. Let's I got go. a 107 Stiletto <laughs> with 4,000 jumps sitting in that closet right there, man. It's. I mean, I, I won't sell that canopy because yeah. it's got 4,000 fucking skydives on it. Um, but yeah, man, we're here to help you out. So what, what Nikolai, <laughs> what Constantine is saying is seek that fucking guidance and seek that help. One of the things that you actually talked to me about before this show is is you wanted to tell me all about things you have in the queue. Yeah. And I told you, I don't want you to tell me mm-hmm. because I want that first true story. Number one, number two, it's hard to believe two hours has already flown by, hasn't it? Really? Two hours? Uh, yeah, wow. yeah, dude. We're, we're like 10 minutes shy of two hours already. Oh, man. wow. So one of the things I haven't done is I haven't asked you about some of these upcoming stunts, partially to get the raw, unadulterated version right now, mm-hmm. partially because I knew this would be a good visit. I knew you knew how to tell stories. And next time you come back to visit us, you're going to share some more stories. Absolutely. I have, I have a full trunk load. What's coming up next for Constantine? So in a, in a near future, and that's actually going to happen at Spaceland, we're going to do some uh, 25,000 foot skydives. So we're What's all- so spe- but well, that's not too special. Let's be real. What's special about your 25,000 foot skydives? Well, you need to have, uh, number one, proper equipment that not just any. Okay, you're not doing anything crazy special stunt. You're just doing a high altitude jump. High altitude skydive, yeah. Okay, that is truly different. I just don't think you're doing it just to do a 25,000-foot skydive, though. I can't go further into detail. <laughs> okay. But, uh, 
<laughs> Put it this way. This is our kind of training and development for our safety team. Okay, that, and that's what I want to know. And then you can leave it hanging right there because yeah. when you come back, you'll be able to tell us exactly why you're doing this. Correct, yeah. So you got some 25,000-foot skydives coming up. Mm-hmm. Nick, what's the most skydives you've made in a day? Gosh, 18 maybe. I've done 20, three days in a row, multiple mm-hmm. times in my life. But 20 skydives is a fuckload of skydives in a day. I'll never do that again. What's the most skydives you've done in a day, Constantine? I think I was like 14 and I was doing tandems. So you're about to double that. Hopefully. So if everything goes to plan, we're going to have uh, a marathon of 30 skydives in a day. So first of all, in a day, just to make sure people are clear, this is all going to be sun up jumps, all daylight jumps. Correct. Yes. Full altitude? Um, I don't think full. I think we're going to be going to 12.5. We're going to start with That's full, full altitude, bro. <laughs> we're going to start with full, full altitude. But we, as the day progresses, we're going to drop um, the altitude a little bit because and there's, a, there's actually a scientific thing behind it. The higher up you go, um, the less oxygen saturation you get and mm-hmm. the more exhausted you are. And after about 15 exposures above 13,000 feet, it takes you longer to recover on the, on the ground. So you mm-hmm. lose your uh, safety orientation. You, you lose that immediate response after about 15 skydives. So if anybody of you guys ever done chamber rides, you've, you went to a high altitude chamber and you've done more than five or six rides, you can't even write your name at the end of the day. This is coming up when? The 20th? I think so. it's the longest day in June. That's when I Two have weeks it. from now. Yeah. It's two, okay, cool. Um, and it's, it's not just something that you'll see with altitude exposure. Jay Stokes, we had on the show, did uh, the most jumps in 24 hours. Yeah. And I was part of that safety crew. And, and what was it, 601? 640 is his record. 641 is the unofficial record. He landed off on one jump. And since so, nobody saw him land, he wouldn't accept it. The Guinness record crew actually said, we'll still count it because you, somebody saw you leave that out of an airplane and you're walking up to us with a parachute and you're not dead. But no, he wouldn't let people fucking count it like he survived without a parachute yeah. or something. Uh, Luke Aikens did. Um, but 640, but even in that environment, just the uh, constant exposure to exhaust and what we could see with his lack of oxygen saturation, we actually had to make con- we had to constantly monitor his clarity. We constantly had him on oxygen inside the airplane t- for this to be safe. Oh, absolutely, you have to. So you guys are gonna uh, instead of having oxygen available on board, you're just gonna start exiting from lower altitudes. Correct. And I, I'm just gonna slowly start tapering it off. For and I'm I'm gonna ask if we don't fill the the full load with individuals, I'm just gonna ask for the sky jump jumpers that are going to be a part of this to kind of support their cause for that day man i uh currently if it is a 20th which I, if we if it is two weeks from now which is a 20th i currently have that day off i would be stoked and honored to be part of your team i would i'm right now i'm volunteering and you can just shoot me down all you want yeah, and absolutely. i'll walk away being absolutely. shot down by constantine that's an honor <laughs> um i would be happy to be there as part of the safety crew as part of the guy supervising you as part of the guys who are these aren't all going to be solos you're going to be jumping with your friends yeah absolutely yeah, we're just trying to um and this is super, something super cool. So if you notice, if the more jumps you do in a day, something happens. Your clarity of skydiving just increases. Your, the way that you absorb those skydives and the mm-hmm. knowledge, you start to see things differently after you've done three, four skydives in a day. That's why I always try to do more than seven. That's my goal. If I go to the drop zone, i got to hit my seven. Because for some reason, that learning curve, you see the canopy different. Every time, like after about jump four or five, my peripheral vision just opens up. Like I can foresee things differently and I become more and more current. It's, a, it's just a mindset that become, evolves. 
So that's why if you go to Spaceland, go early, go get yourself at least seven skydives and increase your tolerance. It man, currency is, is fuck book currency because I think book currency is a joke. Yeah, I really, yeah, I really, gosh, really. I, w- I wish that there was more to. Hey, you haven't jumped for however many years. Hey, do one skydive and hey, you're back on the you're back on the train. Yeah. Do whatever you want. Yeah. Or for someone just learning, you know, thirty days, someone who can jump once every thirty days. If you're that person, man, I can promise no one's super excited if uh, if they're sharing the sky with you. I mean, I, and that being said, I will have to say if all you can do is jump once every 30 days as a young jumper yeah. and a student, please continue to jump. Uh, find a get way a to do card. more. Yeah, find, get a credit card. <laughs> find a way to do more. Find a way to jump more. I am not a huge advocate of debt. I'm not a huge advocate of credit card debt, but I am a huge advocate of safety and learning curve. And sometimes debt is worth it. And, and incurring that you debt. You said debt is worth it, right? Yes. Okay, good. To incur that debt, I didn't say death, to incur debt to make sure you have a strong but more important safe learning curve is worth it. So if all you can do is every 30 days, fuck yeah, you're jumping. But my God, you'll be better to be able to do several jumps a day. As a new jumper, three to four a day is super awesome. Absolutely. As an experienced jumper, I think seven a day is actually a pretty solid statement, man. I like I, I've never really put a number in my mind to it, mm-hmm. but I can see that, dude, that makes a lot of sense, man. Seven for me, that's about that's where I lo- I really like that number. So if man. I if I can do ten, that that's job well done. But I'm already kind of a little tired by the yeah. end of the day. But seven is that magic number. So you're about to do 30 jumps in a day. Mm-hmm. You're about to do some 25,000-foot skydives. Yeah. What else is in the crazy future of Constantine? So now, now we're getting to the exciting part. This All right. Time. Okay, okay. So this one, uh, we haven't really finalized the name, but it's probably going to be uh, the Gun Bowl or the Space Bowl Rally. We're uh, getting 700 space balls over a specific uh, – we've just got permission for um, a land lot in Dallas. 700? Gosh, what is a load with 700 space balls? What's that going to weigh? Well, well, no, no, we're not jumping all at once. But <laughs> oh, man, that is right. I was <laughs> yeah. like, yes, <laughs> asteroid. <laughs> you ruined my life. I thought all at once. But we, we are doing 100 at once, right? Okay, that's good enough. I'll settle for oh, 100. Wow. But we're going to do 20 uh, per load, and people are going to battle and who's going to collect the most in free fall. It's an elimination style. Are they all free, free fly speed? Are they belly 160 speed? 160 plus. Okay. Now I'm, I gotta imagine this is more of an invitational style. Yeah, event. you have to be uh, at a certain skill set uh, to do this. And it, I guess invitational might be the wrong word. In other words, if you have that skill set, can you apply? Can somebody contact you and say I'm interested? Um, that's where we kind of we have we haven't gone enough. Yeah, that's that's where I kind of <laughs> haven't uh, we haven't thought that far because we have our core group that's invited to yeah. this right and a couple. Um, we're about to actually send invites in two weeks to um, a couple of individuals if they want to show up. Because you can't just go buy a jump ticket for this. You have to rent the plane by the hour. It's a, it's a week-long ordeal, but it's going to be ridiculous. I'm just thinking of battling my buddy. Like, I can't wait to battle Fry for, for those space balls. You're going down, Fry, by the way. You're definitely going down. Just, just letting you know that. No sexual in, in your windows. No. <laughs> <laughs> so like, pay me the structure of one jump. So you and Matthew Fry are out there. A camera guy drops 20, uh, 20, like literally, as soon as you leave, 20 uh, out of a bag, they come out. Is it, is it a two-way battle? Two-way battle, okay. yeah. Um, so rules are pretty simple. You kind of have to stay on level with each other, right? Mm-hmm. 
uh, and you can't veer far away from the from the camera guy or the person that's in the middle. What we, if the balls go all over the place? They can. We, we we're using a two mile square uh, area, so. But I mean, you say you have to stay on level and you have to stay near the camera. Well, guy. then make make do with what you have. Okay. Should collect them fast enough, you know, faster than <laughs> don't waste time. <laughs> where are you going to put them? So this is where it gets tricky. <laughs> so we're going to make tails that actually have a loop. So you have an option of either wearing a kangaroo pouch so you can with spandex, right? That I will provide <laughs> at no cost for my friends. <laughs> or you can have um, clips, however you... Like beaners. Like beaners, yeah, that you can clip them in. Carabiners, not Paula. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, but I think the kangaroo pouch, it's already tested. It works pretty well, and you can just pass it around because it just it comes with Velcro and clips in, and it stays, and it's away from your handles, and it's fun to fly. You have to you have to land with it though, right? Correct. You have to land with the correct. Otherwise, it doesn't count. How much does each one of these space balls weigh? I think twelve ounces, I think. Okay, so just shy of a pound. Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm being super lazy. So potentially, you're gonna if you collect half of them, you're basically gonna land with six or eight pounds on your belly. Yeah. Okay, that's not horrible. Right. I'm I'm thinking of opening shock and in, in these pouches and and how much weight. But I mean, we jump with much heavier weight belts yeah. than that. Much heavier. So that, no, no big deal. I'll be truly impressed if somebody breaks 12 or 14. Because I've... 14 out of 20 on one jump? Dude, that'd be some shit. Well, be just, you know, if we, if Leave you, some for fry. If you look, Yeah, if you look at, like, Curtis, for example, right? Um, this man at, at 5,000 uh, 5, feet, um, I hit um, a ball with a tennis racket, and it went tracking along the sky. He managed to uh, flick me off, um, chase that ball, <laughs> and still pull uh, below 4,000... Uh, like, 4,000 feet, so he, able, he was able to cover a huge distance and collect the ball and have no problem deploy and, a, and a switch hands with the racket. So it's somebody that can figure out the mechanics. Yeah, but we're also talking about a world fucking class skydiver and Steve Curtis. Yeah. So, I mean, you know. Well, you got to uh, set your benchmark somewhere, you know. You, you can't just be like, eh. I'm, setting, I'm, going, I'm going big here. I'm saying I'm going to do at least seven. So you're saying on one of the jumps you're going to release 100 at once. Yeah, that's kind of like a group party at the end. The grand finale, if yeah. you will. So what is that set out? Uh, are you guys going to like have multiple bags to set off 100 or one bag that sets out 100 at once? Or how are you going to put Actually, that? it's four bags uh, that are out of paper, and they're going to have like a rip. So as they separate, they're going to all rip together. Because a certain weight, like it just becomes <laughs> crazy. Is the point to catch these these? No, you just want to fly with the hundred space Because I was gonna say, if I'm in the middle of a hundred space balls, I'm just I'm gonna be one of them. I'm going I'm going through. He's gone plaid. Yeah, I might even wear a, a bright green jumpsuit. Yeah, it's it's gonna be ridiculous. Just that, that's and it's something that's you know like never been done. Well, it's been done before, but not to that caliber. So we're taking somebody else's idea, and this is Jeffro's idea. So thank you, Jeffro, for an amazing idea. I appreciate it. But we're just kind of adding our own little oomph to it. So what else do you have coming up? Anything you can share? We have another big one in November. Um, you guys are definitely going to see it. It involves a lot of fireworks and and debt cord and all this fun stuff, but I can't share that idea. So is it safe to say a pyro jump? You could say that. Okay. <laughs> I, I think that's a very generic statement and a yeah. very easy way, way to go. Man, Constantine, you have come so far in the sport. And, and first of all, I mean it in the least of ways with what you've accomplished. You have accomplished a lot, my friend. How many jumps do you have now? 4,500. How many records have you been on? 
A dozen plus. Yeah, at least in the 20s, yeah, if yeah, you think yeah. about it. So you have accomplished a lot in skydiving, gotten all your ratings, et cetera. And really, that is not what I'm impressed by at all. Although those are very impressive, and my hat's off to you. I can't, but this, this, this headset's in my way. What you've accomplished as far as growth as a human being has been so impressive, man. You have always been a good dude. You've always been a friendly fella. Uh, self-actualization is one of the things that drives and motivates us and it's not why we get into skydiving but if you're in the sport long enough at some point you realize what the sport has truly done for you yeah and mad respect to the growth you, you have accomplished thank you dj to what you've seen because you've gathered this group of friends that you absolutely love and all these things you've done you've actually tried to uplift and promote your friends more than yourself and it's very easy to be a shameless self-promoter it's very easy to be about you. It's very easy to, to, to make this all about myself. And brother, so much respect for the fact that you have grown so much and that you've really recognized the growth of the sport and the growth of others, man. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to share with us today. But more importantly, I appreciate the time you've shared with the sport. Absolutely. Thank you, DJ. It means a lot. I really appreciate that. You're absolutely welcome, man. Uh, as we get wrapped up, as we close out, is there anything else you want to tell your friends, your family, your wife? Oh, oh well, of course. I love, I love my wife, and I adore my friends. You know, my support structure of my friends is phenomenal. I could have not asked for, for a better group of people that surround me and continuously make sure that I, that I walk the straight path. I'm, I'm really grateful for that. Uh, but the main thing is that I want you guys to dig in history and look back and just this one phrase i love it see what you can do for your drop zone and not what your drop zone can do for you just think about that and let that echo and by that i mean when you come to your drop zone find the new jumper get to know their story make a jump with them even better help them make an introduction to somebody else in the drop zone strengthen your community because i genuinely believe that in our other life we were definitely all kin because their community in actuality is really small but I do feel that our community, we're a certain tribe, a tribe that it doesn't matter where we are in the world. I'm so grateful that I go into this drop zone. I feel right at home. I feel loved. They like take care of me and I can go break bread with them that evening. And I feel happy. Like to be a part of something like this is phenomenal. And, I, and I've, I've been very fortunate. So I've traveled to, you know, 40 plus countries in, uh, in my 33 years. But what I find at a drop zone surrounded by like my friends and, and that genuine connectivity and my kind of individuals, I mean, that's just so phenomenal. That it, that it is my home. It's a home that's always away from home. And those people, they truly are like-minded and they truly care about you because you guys are risking your well-being sometimes, you know, and you're pushing the boundaries, you know, doing a dangerous sport. And that brings you together. It, you have to be like-minded. You have to be kind of from the same from the same melting pot to think that way and behave in that manner. And that's what like skydiving is to me. So next time you're at the drop zone, find that new jumper and help them, you know, be, help them get introduced into the family. Maybe become an AFF instructor. Yeah. Speaking of which, Nick Lott, anything else you want to share? Uh, <laughs> I thought about becoming an AFF instructor. Yes. I saw some scary videos, decided it's not for me. <laughs> Man, Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Don't. Um, it, it, it really is giving back to the sport. You know, well, you, you say that, and one of the things that really impressed me, and we didn't get to talk about it on his visit because we didn't see it yet, but a friend of ours, Jeffro Provenzano, yeah. was in town recently, 
And Jeff Rowe was here for an event. And in that event, we actually got him an organizer slot for the weekend. And he was invited to get on all these different skydives. And there were so many really cool, really shreddy skydives going on that he was more than capable of being on and really should have and could have been on. And the entire weekend, he used his organizer slot to jump with noobs 100% of the time. I Excuse me. I take it back. At the very end of the day, he did one jump. Or at the very end of the event, he did one jump, and it was the organizer's jump where you, Jesse, or Tex, yeah, Tex. And, and him went on. So it, it was the it was the closing jump for those boys. And really, man, if, if you want to be like some of these greats, and this scares me to say, if you want to be like Constantine, and ooh, there's nothing ooh. wrong with that, if you want to be like Jeffro, listen to what they're saying, man. Jump with the noobs. Take these people under your wing and, and make them better. Guy with 20-something jumps got to do a one-on-one with Jeffro Provenzano, how freaking jealous am I of that? Oh, you definitely should be. It's, it's Jeffro. Yeah, right. That's amazing. On, Guys and gals, as you know, we've got the film festival coming up. It is going to be October. I don't remember the dates. We will get it out to you soon. In the next two months, we will have that flyer out. We are happy to be back. I never realized how much I love to miss the show. Those two weeks off were actually a little bit torturous. We will be back next week and uh, the week after and maybe the week after that. Till then, get them fuck out of my house. Love you guys. Good luck to all my homies in the 20-way competition this weekend. Be safe, guys. And tear it up. Constant screen for life. (laughs) 